episode 222, that's a lot of twos, of the F-Reality Podcast. Uh, this show is in part dedicated to all the starving journalists out there. Here at F-Reality, we're starting the F-Journalists Fund. Uh, we need your clicks because so do they. Uh, grab a shovel, your favorite headset, and go on, little Sally. Just take your beloved HMDs and chuck them right in the hole. There were good times while they lasted, my fellow VR gangsters. Oh, and uh, rest in peace, Coolio. Uh, spring is here, despite a few town criers, and there is plenty to play. This crew is here to make your day. Half rumor mill speculation, half Warren Buffett business. Today's show will lay out a litmus test for our voyage into the second Delta Quadrant of 2023. The unstoppable oh. paperclip machine hasn't gotten to us yet. Not just yet. So here is today's show snack pack. Happy Deck of Fools, a.k.a. when ex-staff strike back. Question. Which is worse for your teens? 2% milk or 4% VR? Mad Max shares this guide on how best to get hitched in Vegas. To a server rack, that is. And over at the Fruit Factory... Apple may be readying to stun the world with a major tech drop in June. After that, Jose will ravish you with releases and sparkle your spazzle. And listeners, viewers, and chat, we'd hug you if we could. The best we can do today is bring you into the show. So tell us, what have you done with your life recently? Any regrets? Or is it all peanut butter and chocolate? Doing anything in real life for Easter? Or just VRing your life away? And with that, it's time to roll in the crew. This man terrifies us with his science, woos us with his bushy beard. Um, he's Beaker and Dr. Bunsen Honeydew all in one. It's a Belgian-Canadian extravaganza cocooned in, oh, what a man. Uh, this fine specimen, researchers like to call, Le Rowdy. <laughs> <laughs> Le Rowdy, yeah, does it... Does the second time that we're making that joke and people on stream have no idea what it is about is basically what what happened is Zim sent me a package and he wrote on the on the big top well he wrote my address but like in in big letters on top he wrote down Le Rowdy because I live in Quebec you know <laughs> where I was they speak a, French I was a little worried it might end up on a street called that I was like there's probably not a street called that but Le Rowdy yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they do have that here, like, you know, English names, but they just put like le or la in front of it. <laughs> oh, really? So then it's French. You <laughs> there know. you go. Whoopsies. Yeah. Well, For example, I... you know, you know, I have KFC is called here. Well, how? It's PFK. <laughs> it's it? poulet, fri poulet frit Kentucky. <laughs> Whoa! That's Pull the freaking turkey for chicken. <laughs> Pull, that's the exactly. chicken. That's Pull a fancy chicken. chicken, you know. <laughs> Say that again. PFK, Poulet Frit Kentucky. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Like yeah, it's, it's Kentucky Fried Chicken, but done in French. Wow. <laughs> I don't know why. Don't ask me. Don't ask me. Every time you do it, Rowdy, every time I feel less and less smart. <laughs> every time yeah. we get on the podcast, either science or your finesse, man. It's just great. How you been anyway, man? How's that beard I've, coming along? I've been I've been great. That's, that's most of what I've been doing. You know, this is almost my full-time job nowadays, <laughs> like keeping this in tone. Um, but, uh, no, I've, I've been great, you know, like, whoops, uh, that, that wasn't me, by the way, that wasn't me, you know, everyone's looking at me right now, but, um, 
the the thing is the weather has been improving uh, a little bit here we've had like some horrible weather in the past week i know that you've had a pretty rough as well as him probably with yeah. that uh oh. I, I think it was the first time since 1980 that we had something like this uh i mean so it's the first time that i've experienced it uh but it was crazy because i've never seen rain freeze immediately when it hits a tree uh ultimately ending up with so much ice on the tree that the trees just start falling over oh, yeah. uh, that was uh, that was pretty insane yeah. yeah ah that answers it because i have three big like old oak trees um and because the, the we got so much rain the ground was kind of soggy and saturated but i was wondering because a bunch of them that have stood up even through like last summer's big windstorm are now tilted over and i think that that answers it they were weighted on top and, and actually they're all at like this funny angle now and i'm just hoping that one won't come crashing down and cut the podcast but you know <laughs> if i if i all of a sudden go dark then you know why but you've answered that for me rowdy anyway yeah we survived the storm here as well but man it was really patchy that day it was like up and down loads of people lost power and thankfully my street wasn't affected by that but i'm i'm yeah i'm just i'm just happy not to go through that again because going without power and internet and internet mostly, exactly. mostly the internet uh, is just yeah you like you're like Books? wow this is kind of boring <laughs> it's like like my kids i always i always uh give out to my kids because i'm like uh you know you got all these things that you can do um but like when, when we were in the basement playing board games you know with uh, literally my stream lights lighting the scene you know because we had no power it was like wow this is like modern day ghetto is great uh, it was really fun but um yeah, so Canada's kind of going through the dark and all that. Anything you want to highlight there, Rowdy, over the last uh, week or so? Or are you? Uh, no, I don't think I've had a, a major highlight. I mean, I, I'll probably tune in on I, what I expect your highlight to be. Uh, <laughs> so may, maybe I'll tune in there. All right, sounds good. Sounds good. All right, well, next one up. Um, <clears throat> Adam Bombati is a difficult last to describe. Whether she's spraying illicit graffiti, searching for a big old stick to grab, or just packing heat in a church. This gal's not the friendly girl next door. Um, oh, no. This here is the troublemaker. Uh, she is truly the source of all of America's problems. And with that, I introduce you to 2023's Miss Dystopian America. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to thank everyone and my parents and my family, etc. Um, but yeah, I've been doing a lot of just dabbling, like a lot of small dabbling into multiple games, like... I finally tried the ones that I've been behind on. Like I've tried Light Brigade because I heard a lot about that. And that one was mm. um, better, more interesting than I thought because I'm not like a dungeon crawler kind of person, but I enjoyed that. Um, I had tried a little bit of Gambit, which is kind of like maybe it needs to cook a little longer. Um, <laughs> so I'll give it like they're supposed to be like basically me and my group had a bunch of crashes, so I can't even really give it a good like. Yeah, it was fun. What's, and it, we, what's it supposed to be? It looked like an FPS merged with a graffiti sim. I, it I couldn't work out. supposed to be a uh, PvE campaign co-op game. Um, it has PvP2 elements, though, like you can do deathmatch, and I forget what their other uh, multiplayer modes called. But, um, yeah, the, like we got it a couple days before, and there was just kind of a lot of crashes, so I couldn't. we couldn't really get far <laughs> on it. Supposedly they're going to have a patch coming for it um, a week out from, you know, after the holidays. So sometime late next week. But I'm like, man, I wonder if the damage has already been done. Because on if you look at their Steam reviews, it's mostly negative. And that's that's rough. It's a shame because it it, kind of look at a cool look. um, And it's a really cool name. I don't know. I've always I liked Gambit, the X-Men guy. And I I liked it coming out with the exclamation mark and everything. And I thought, oh, this this maybe has a chance. But I liked the 
like from what I could play, I kind of liked the mm. style of it since it's more Borderlandsy, edgy humor kind of a thing. But um, but yeah, there's just a well, lot going on. No Man's Sky right exists, so you you don't <laughs> give up on games anymore. You know, like that's true. Games yeah. can come out, fall on their face, and still get up again. So we we got hope for still for Gambit. We're very good. What else have you? What else did you get to tinker with? Um, oh, uh, the Light Brigade. Um, I got to a little bit of that, and that was interesting. It's, it's normally uh, I give up really quickly on challenging games, but the, for whatever reason, this one kept me going. And like, okay, no, just one more, one more dungeon, one more dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I've also been diving back into Horizon Call of the Mountain, mostly because I wanted to make a, a tutorial series on um, achievement hunter stuff. So getting all the warning beacons, stacking those stupid. Uh, Karens, I hated those so much, uh, and mm. the legendary collectibles and all that stuff. So I had to, I had to replay it though, because I know once you finish, you can go back and do all the levels again. But I didn't want to just do like, here's where the beacon would have been. I've already got it, so I wanted to do it legitimately for the video. So I had to, I had to replay the whole thing. It was much faster the second time, but, but it did take, wow. uh, you know, a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, I have to go right right the way through the game. But like, yeah, I looked at your TikTok and I was like, Jesus Christ, how many games have you played in the last like just couple of weeks? It's mad. Like, <laughs> and it's, you it's machine, you really, I, yeah, I machine they, gunned it. You're like like right the way through. So yeah, I think last weekend last. was when I got most of it. But it, it's funny too because even not on the VR side, like you mentioned, the weird duality of the stuff I play. I'm like, oh, I've got Disney Dreamlight, but then I also got Chernobylite that I'm playing at the same time. <laughs> it's like just two different, very contrasting games, and I love both of them, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's been a productive week or productive two weeks, I suppose, since we last spoke. I guess so maybe else. Yeah. And then of course, Walking Dead Saints and Sinners. I still have to go back to that, and it's just it's just a lot. Just too many games, which is good, but a problem to have, I guess. That's exactly that's exactly how I feel right now. Is that like you you want to almost take a taste of everything on the smorgasbord, but then you need to go back, and you almost <laughs> need like ten or twenty hours for each piece to kind of properly do that, you know mm. and. That's kind of feel where where we are at the minute. Uh, quite a lot of quite a lot out there, and it's not just PSVR two stuff. There's quite a bit on PC and other platforms as well. I'm, I can't keep up right now. I, I honestly can't. I'm putting more hours into it than ever, but still, it's just like it's a tornado. So uh, great. A any specific highlights out of that, or that was fine. You just wanted to give us a cross section of kind of what you were touching on. Uh, I don't think any highlights because it's just been everything. <laughs> like it's just been a lot of everything. But good, but yeah, good. <laughs> Look forward to see where you go with that uh, that tip series. I might need it. I'm I'm actually saving. I've been saving Call of the Mountain as like something that I'll play. Well, honestly, when the price drops. But uh, oh, you <laughs> haven't like, played I'm, it yet. I'm, I have not played. I only played the demo. I played the demo oh. through only. So I haven't played the full experience yet. And it's nice. I'm seeing like the audience, the general audience, like warm up a bit more up to that. So um, yeah, I'm saving it, saving it. So I might, I might, I might, I might do. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's on then. It's on what then. Flex. Uh, yeah, absolutely. All right, next up. Um, having survived the desert, he's back with us today as much as a dust devil as, you, as those you would see in Nevada. A whirling dervish. Uh, he's a revolutionary, stops at nothing, a go-getter with a portable custom PS5 gaming suitcase in tow. His name's Jose, and it's time for him to say... What's up, you guys? <laughs> yo, yo, yo. Fuck you! <laughs> I told you it was revolutionary. How you doing, Jose? How's it going, hey, man? Good to have you back. Much, man. Um, <laughs> hopefully, my voice is a little bit back to to normal. But it's been an absolute whirlwind. Um, the last four weeks, the last three weeks, time is a blur for me. I have pretty much given up on 
tracking time. I, I don't want to have a watch around me. I disabled my clock on my iPhone. I just have alarms now that just tell me where to be. Okay. It's It's been absolutely it's crazy. It's Thursday. Oh, dude. It's, I, I, honestly, Thursday. I believe you. I, I believe you. Um, GDC was yesterday in my brain. Um, that's how much has been happening. But um, a little bit trailing off to... Uh, to what Adam was talking about, it's I did a little bit of um, a lot of uh, just trying desperately to have VR in my life because um, <laughs> VR has been the main theme in my life. For, but from the business side, a lot of relationships, conversations, showcasing, you know, what my company does and our hardware that it, it, I've started realizing it's, you know, I don't want to become that guy to the point that I'm completely detached from, you know, what I love, which is video games. So um i've been playing a lot of the last Clockwinder, which Ooh. oh yeah that i, I was saving that because I, I wanted to see your reaction rowdies which is oh dude i get it now i, <laughs> nice one, nice one. I am so ah oh, man I, I feel almost dumb not playing that game at, at, when it when it released <laughs> um uh being able to pair that up with you know with the i used the the new hand trackers from htc just to like really make the hand tracking phenomenal with an XR Elite with wireless streaming on my laptop. And it I was playing the last Clockwinder at points that I shouldn't be playing the last Clockwinder. I it, it was it was it was awesome. Um but yeah that's that's kind of where I've been. It, it's uh there's so much to talk about and then we'll talk a little bit more about when we start talking about amusement expo and all that. But um yeah the, I guess the theme for me has been like I love VR and now I'm like desperately trying to make sure that i don't forget that which is playing a lot of games mm. i actually am you mentioned the playstation 5 portable which is just like a godsend now i am just to being able to talk to people and be like oh i got a ps5 with a vr2 right here and then i i ended, i end, uh accidentally became a uh, an evangelist for vr which is i guess what i always been right so it's pretty dope that's nice. nice. You've been such tracking. I remember when you told me you're like we're driving across the desert overnight and all this kind of stuff. It was like, oh man, this guy's booking it like oh. just from one place to the next. And it was the same Insane. thing at GDC when we met up. It was so nice to finally get to meet in person, you know, and just hang out a few times. That was Our nice. That was really good. <laughs> Dude, it was. But and, and, and real quick, when you mentioned the road trip, it's like you you remember it's like the 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 humanity part of this industry right which is people mm. love more than just vr right they love other interests so it was actually my first time on a road trip with one of my lead technicians who happens to be a hardcore vr transhumanist person we're talking about like anime fan like this kid is like i, I honestly i compare him to like the sadly bradley lynch's level of industry love so it was just like 12 hours of non-stop like anime music and oh, techno it was um it was a there wake was up not, call man there <laughs> was, was like, not oh, enough yeah. of there was not enough of that human connection in life like I, I i realized that a few years ago where i used to i used to fly into where my wife was at the time studying in university and i was just like i was just like a corporate kid at that point and i was flying in and playing the student life for two weeks and i was like this is amazing mm -hmm. right like being in dorm rooms <laughs> and just playing poker whatever and um i was like i need i need more of this in my life and then you know fast forward 10 years or whatever and i'm like okay and so we started doing this like barbecue thing in person but like that same that that road trip side is the same thing when you're trapped together with other humans and you just have to kind of like be in each other's right. existence for a while um it yeah that there's like a more human part comes out 
um, which is great. And you're just getting to compare stories and think about stuff. And it's just such a ride, you know? So, man, enjoy that while you've got it. Because I feel like those moments in life are just so precious. Just like some of the parties that we had at GDC. Um, but chat last time, just to kind of catch us up, and it's a little bit of a slipstream from from the last podcast where we, we talked about GDC. And uh, you didn't get a chance to kind of outline your thoughts. Maybe we'll pick your brain before I turn to chat now. Um, just about uh, what did, what did, what stood out to you about GDC 2023? And there was a specific question, actually, about the Pimax Crystal and your thoughts about that. Um, so if you could just maybe spend five minutes and yeah. uh, give us your give us a lowdown. I guess uh, the the really the, the what stood out for GDC was once again the enthusiasm for the industry. There was a lot of uh, maturing um, overall what VR means. Before VR used to be segmented in its own little niche area, where GDC this time everybody was offering VR in some way, shape, or form. A lot of VR integrations, a lot of tools. Um, it almost felt like a ignoring of the vr industry but when you actually look at from a very high level position it actually goes to show the vr industry is actually much larger to the point it has integrated itself into the overall gaming industry so all of everybody who was there showcasing a game already had pipelines for virtual reality or for some mixed reality um i i heard you guys just talk about uh, the last podcast about gdc there was there really isn't much that i could add a value except the business enthusiasm which is there's so much stuff behind the scenes being done. Um, we usually tend to talk about the games and experiences, but infrastructure, technology, hardware, um, I actually was able to see, and I don't know if I can talk about this a lot, but I was able to see like new versions of like the Pew Pew guns or and, and a lot of like integrated oh, nice. um, haptic peripherals that we normally expect to see in like in um, Steam VR OpenXR environments, but now coming to like the Focus 3s and Pico, like Bluetooth based tracking um haptics and, and peripherals so that's that's the cool the, that's the exciting part is that everybody now is focused on how do we make all of this fun and exciting and cool it, including my company right that's kind of where where everybody's focusing out it's let's just expand on adoption so it, it's that's the theme i think next year and if, if anybody's planning or allocating or budgeting to to you know for the events that gdc is a must next year it's it's the same thing as going to awe last year where everybody who went last year was like this guy's the 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 next one that's the one because it's it's the industry's back the the pandemic was a genuine unfortunate blow to the industry and i feel like everybody is unfortunately they're over it (laughs) people want to move forward as fast as possible (laughs) 100 Mm percent. i like i like what you're saying there about the kind of cross blend though um and certainly being my first gdc it was nice to see. It was probably the, one of the first where I saw VR so well mixed in with the general splay of mm. a convention hall. Um, and it wasn't there in like weak little pockets. It was heavy hitting, you know, almost anywhere you'd turn on the on the floor. And and to me, that was just, hey, it's my first time. Maybe this is what it's always been like. Oh, yeah. um, but 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 certainly when I look back at, you know, pictures from previous GDCs, which they have archived online and there's hundreds, if not thousands of photos, um, it wasn't the case. And so it's really nice to see that transformation. And like you say, 
it's back, baby. You know, the business is back and everything's kind of like booming in the right direction and people get to get together. And damn, that was, that was Especially so good. Especially the so, resolution, the resolution booth. That, that was the exciting part. Like they had one of the best booth babes there, man. Like I, I believe, <laughs> like, man, I, 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 I almost made me forget about that, Zim. Like I, my, it was my first time, obviously, second time because we, we, we met at the party and I've seen you a few times before that. But I remember... Um, my team asking me, uh, I don't remember if it was my CEO, but after meeting you, they, they go to me and ask, is Zim Canadian? <laughs> you have, and I'm going to use the, the correct quote. This is a quote from Rati, you are aggressively Canadian, which is, which is the best compliment because I'm from New York, I'm from upstate. So we, we, we usually associate the term Canadian with a very kind person. That they're just, <laughs> just aggressively, just optimistically themselves, and that just, and, and it was just like, man, that's that is a really good uh, uh, oh, definition of Zim, aggressively Canadian. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I was like, I need to, I I need to sure put, he knows that. <laughs> I am going to put that on my citizenship application. I'm going to be like, <laughs> I am known for being aggressively Canadian. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Put a uh, reference down for Jose. There we go. Uh, yeah, I, I, I wanted to vouch for that, but man, uh, absolutely it was, well. It was so cool, like just seeing the VR enthusiasm, man, and just seeing the people putting in the the right the right investments into operations of VR because that's what I care about, right? Like mm. same with they would live when they have Adam there. It's like man, these are it gets you excited because you you see like oh people are putting they're paying attention to the actual voices of this industry and putting the right people in it, so. That's that's really what high, that's my highlight of GDC is the love is in the right place. I I actually had a conversation and this is not GDC related, but very related to what we're talking about. But I had a conversation with some of the technical uh, leads at, uh, at Resolution and, you know, mm-hmm. being able to thank them for, you know, their their help with our podcast and and the support and, and being able for them to to share their love for VR. It's it's it, it kind of it recharges your battery just just yeah. tenfold it, it really and i i don't the thing that we uh that i've noticed um over time is it's there's a, there's almost a lack of like competitive vigor it's more it feels like a family it really does and and you just see devs collaborating and working towards like a shared future now i don't know if that was the case pre-lockdown as well but certainly in the vr ar space like man people are just like working together towards something want to show off for each other and like this is the cool thing that i'm doing and they and just loads of just help right and i, I don't see infighting uh, at least not now um so it's great to see um can't wait for the future and it does feel like the rockets finally got fueled in its engines again you know that's that's really how it feels so great to hear from you about uh your gdc taking so we got some more a little bit later about vegas and stuff like that as well from jose so stick around um Let's stop and just uh, take a look in at uh, a chat for a second, maybe. Uh, Adam, if there's anything in there, you want to call out what people are doing. I know we were asking a few minutes ago there if was, there's anything uh, there. There's Vertigo 2, which, okay, guiltily, I still have to play the... F- I'll finish. Okay, I have tried. I've played some of the first Vertigo. I just had never finished it. So that one is like mm. particularly, ooh, I got to get there, but I want to do it right. You know, I don't want to... I mean, I heard that you can maybe just jump into Vertigo 2 without the first one, but I don't want... Two, I don't know. I've heard like yeah. some people say that there's a recap in the beginning, but I'm like, no, I want to do the first one, the remastered. You're gonna do first. remastered? Yeah, because yeah, I have re- that one, I, and I have played. I don't know how long, you know, what is the halfway point really, but I've played some of it. It was just one of those things where I got distracted and then it fell off, so I've got to 
you know, do it all over again, sort of. A thing. The story is, 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 I mean, it's strange, right? Like, it's very, <laughs> it I, I, I wouldn't say that you like, like, even after playing Vertigo 1, it's not like you understand all of a sudden what's going on. At least not me. <laughs> no, same. It, it feels like, it feels like uh, Half-Life 1 on acid. That's yeah. what it feels like. Let me Half-Life mixed with Rick and Morty a little bit, like a tamer yeah. Rick and Morty. Sort of. Yeah, the comedy is uh, the thing that stood out for me was that I, I was really impressed that a uh, 16 then nine year old or 19 year old could come up with a game and the comedy and the visuals and the sound and all that like Insane. all together. It was just like, holy cow, this guy's like talented, you know, and then um, just to be able to stick to it to deliver a second game. Um, that's impressive without even opening the package. Now, I haven't played Vertigo 2 either. I, I'm going to personally wait probably a month um, before I touch it. So you'll probably get to it before I do, Adam. Um, even even though you're going through uh, Vertigo. Beating it twice. Remastered. Oh. Yeah, beating <laughs> it twice. It twice. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I'm looking forward to that. It's got It's getting great reviews from people that I would trust their opinions of. So I would say... Uh, for a lot of people, it's getting close to, if not surpassing, you know, Half-Life Alex type feel. Um, and it certainly looks great uh, from what I've seen. So Vertigo 2 is out. Go play that before uh, before we get to spoil it for you with uh, our thoughts and feelings on it. Good. Thanks for that shout. Okay, so um, I suppose in terms of my own highlight, um, I'll just cover that quickly. Um, one quick mention on the music front was that there's a guy who does uh, live loops and mixes called Marc Rebier. And when it comes to immersion, like music has always been a really important part for me. Uh, if you're interested in that, I think it's actually running in tandem with this podcast, probably launching in a minute. I'm not trying to distract you, but he's got a second episode of We Outside. His name is Marc Rebier. That's Mark with a C. You just typed in We Outside and Mark, you'd probably find him. He does stuff live and does mixes in front of a crowd, but he starts, he just like, I've seen him before in like a pizza place. And this last time, last week was outside in New York in a park, just starts off with a couple of decks, does his loops on a mic, and then the crowd just grows and grows and grows. And like, if, if you're sitting down for a two hour watch and you're really into music, I can't think of a better thing. So that's my kind of little recommendation on the music side. Um, but on the game side of things, I did want to talk about eyes for a minute and I've got a good one and a bad one. So <clears throat> on the good side, as Rowdy was probably alluding to, uh, I got to play Before Your Eyes on PSVR 2, which is an eye-tracked game um, and driven by blinks. So some of those are like intentional blinks, like you look at something and select with your eyes, uh, and some involuntary. In other words, when you blink, the story advances. Um, just to give a bit of context for my comments on, on kind of this, uh, my favorite film, for a number of reasons, is uh, Jim Carrey's wonderfully imperfect Endless Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Love that film. Um, so he, so being mindful of game spoilers here, I'm going to stay very high level in what I describe about the experience. Uh, first off, it's about a 90-minute tale um, that by the end of it had me in streaming tears, oh. which I didn't think was going to happen. Okay. Um, maybe that gets me back for putting Karen in deep water or something. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I, I personally found the portrayal of like fading memories of like a slip in control over memory. Uh, in particular to resound with me in like a really special way. Um, it's probably the best $20 Canadian I've spent because this film, they put you like smack into the middle of a, a family's journey. Um, and I didn't think it was going to strike me in the way it did. It was a wonderful experience from the very opening. Like it within the first 30 seconds, I knew I was going to like this thing. I could just tell. Um, and I can't imagine doing that in anything but VR. So I would just, I'm not going to say more about it. Um, 
very worthwhile. You know, if you're like, hey, should I watch something on Netflix or maybe I should go buy Before Your Eyes and just do the hour and a half, try it. You know, see if it uh, see if it resonates with you in, in, in the same way. So, Good. yeah, I, I mean, I, I watched, I think, the entire game uh, on your stream. Um, but indeed, it's again, it's like what I kind of imagined VR would be very successful for. It's not really a game. I wouldn't call it a game. It's more like it's like an interactive experience. Mm. Very much like um, how is that called again? The detective game where you need to solve Tesla's murder. Um, oh, um, uh, in the Invisible Hours. Yes, I, I I would classify that as the same kind of genre, where you have a story that is like going on, and you're part of that story. This time you're seeing it from a first person perspective. Um, with uh, the Invisible Hours, it's more like you know you're like this you know being that's floating around or whatever. Um, but it's that immersive kind of theater I think that VR just does really well. Um, and I think that's also why you get a much stronger like emotional connection to that story because you feel you're part of that story. And I think that's 100%. a really cool kind of way of doing VR because I wouldn't classify this really as as a game. Like I would agree with you, hundred uh, percent. Some other VR games, yeah. And like when I was growing up and through school years and stuff, like I, I used to be involved in drama and putting on on plays and stuff like that, and then was working behind the scenes on lighting and things like that. Um, so that, but it, it does, it, it feels, I, I really agree. Anytime I get into VR and it really gives me that kind of artful experiential, um, envelopment, like you just, you lose yourself in it and then you're part of it. And then what this game does with the timing and the pacing and everything that they do, it, it's magical. It's like poetry, right? Like it, it just takes turns and it's not like, right? It, yeah, it's, 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 it's very well paced storytelling, um, a quality end product, and there the, the the part about this specifically that sung to me was like you you don't have control. Sometimes you're like trying to think of a childhood memory or something like that. You're you're trying to remember it right, and you feel like you've got grip on it, but just a little bit and just not enough. It's yeah. frustrating, right? And so there were times when I would blink and the story would advance, and I really didn't want it to, and I missed oh. it, and it yeah. felt real. That part felt like. And you could replay it, right? You could replay it if you wanted to that, see more that of that. That does increase the replayability, yeah. There's like real loss. There's real loss in the storytelling. And it just felt so genuine. It gave you enough traction mm-hmm. uh, that you didn't feel out of control. You didn't feel frustrated yeah. by it. But I find a hell like, of frustrating. Oh, I, I find a hell of frustrating. <laughs> but I, but yeah. I, I do think it's cool that yeah. you... I, I think it should be frustrating. I agree. I agree. I think it, I think it should to mm-hmm. some extent... There should be that like dip of disappointment when you miss something you really think you should have seen. That's. Um, I was going to ask that. Do you feel that replaying it or the more times you replay it completely makes that game lose more value or, or the special factor if you play more than once? No, I, I think exactly because of that, that you miss parts of the story. I, I, I and also totally replay that. Because there's, there's certain choices you need to make, right? So the story would... I'm guessing, I mean, I only saw Sims play through, but I'm guessing that you have different branches that ultimately will end up similarly roughly, but the story that is being told is going to be different. Um, So I think that that is a cool kind of way of replaying it. And and there are game elements that will surprise you in the telling. Um, I'm not going to spoil them because I thought they were really fun to kind of find my way through. But yeah, Jose, I know you had expressed um, a concern that maybe you'd like 
blink your way through it. Yeah. You know, like, and I think if you did, you would absolutely go right back around the track Mm. um, again. Uh, Someone else was mentioning, uh, Hussein was mentioning 11.11. That was a good one about kind of the end of a planet, I remember. Some like nuclear holocaust type job. Um, But there's there's You can turn the blinking off as well, right? You can turn the blinking off if you want. I recommend leave it on for your first play, at least. I know what Um, I'm buying now. Yeah, that was good. Um, that was really, really good. Uh, I, I'm it's curious like to hear. Person. That's the thing. <laughs> I've, I've never sat there struggling so hard not to blink. And I'm talking. I just played Switchback a few nights oh, ago. Man. Like I that one. You're like in certain sequ- in certain sequences. You I was like to blink to progress. Why is nothing happening. Yeah, you know, it was it was kind of funny, but um, this was the opposite. Like I was actively trying to stop. I don't anyway, know if I'm, if, I'm, if, I, if this question is asking for a spoiler, but do they play around with the ability to not control blink? Like, do they give you a jump scare to force you to blink? In uh, in switchback? Oh, I mean, um, in before your eyes. In before your eyes. There's no jump scares. In, okay. In this, because I would have been cool yeah, if they. Not if a they, horror. <laughs> I was no, no. I, I wasn't like maybe not a horror game esque, but. Since they're playing around with that mechanic, like what if they? But they do, yeah. they do play around. Yeah, they do use that mechanic for certain parts Correct. of the game. There are surprises, okay, but nothing that I would classify anywhere in the category of like a jump scare. No. Okay, no, yeah. I was more talking about like the reactions of a jump scare. Like, yeah, you you flinch and you close your eyes. But the yeah, yeah. The 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 thing is, that the blinking in the game is not only it's it's not only a game mechanic. It's part of the story. Mm. Right. It's really yeah. neat. Oh, man. It's really neat. And, and and there are very stark jumps from you're 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 talking about story A and then all of a sudden you're somewhere completely different and it's great. Just That's try awesome. it. That's yeah, all no, I can I, say. I, I, just, I'm, just, I'm interested it, now. Well, well worth the ticket price. I felt like I, I came out of cine, like a, a cinema theater experience well happy with my purchase you know let let me just say that for the next like after the game was over sim was too scared for 15 minutes to take his headset off oh because he didn't want to see if people see him crying (laughs) so i it was it was probably six or seven tears came out of my eyes and involuntarily yeah yeah it was i went straight to the next game i was like i'm not taking this off they're not seeing me yeah 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 so so speaking of crying um Every so often, you learn something or you see something that just changes your perspective, like for good or bad. And this time, it was about the PSVR 2. And unlike the Rift or Quest 1 and Quest 2, the PSVR 2 is like an open-sided headset. Um, that's right. You can you can actually... This was a great surprise to me. You can go into the headset, look in, and see a circuit board in there, um, which I didn't realize until about the middle of last week. So... Uh, the real worry for me is probably someone who's like working out heavily and then drips sweat into their into their headset into a place that they can't clean and fries the headset that way. But for me personally, it's spiders. Oh yes, I mean spiders what? love a dry nesting environment. And let me tell, <laughs> I'm sorry, Adam, I've ruined a few people's <laughs> lives, but um, I, I I'm just I, I've got to like beg that hardware designers think about this. Like the quest the quests, for example, had this like cloth membrane. That was covering it up. So even if the lenses were moving with an IPD adjustment, everything back there was covered, right? Was covered and you couldn't get at it. This is like open to the world. And I am being a severe arachnophobic guy. 
and a little bit of a paranoid <laughs> fell up. I've seen those pictures on Reddit where you see like little yes. spiders in people's headsets. So now, great, thanks for bringing yeah, that to my no, attention I, because I, every I time I put the headset imagine, on, I'm really just paranoid. Just imagine they start nesting there and like you're like thanks. in the middle of a horror game and all of a sudden you see like <laughs> well, all these so little real. spiders. Like <laughs> You think it's the haptics? <laughs> so realistic. <laughs> <laughs> like gorgeous OLED blacks should not be met oh. with like wonderful little like like the feeling of spider feet going across I your face this. or across uh. your eyeballs. So yeah, not I've, to I, blink, I, but I feel like I need to blink. <laughs> That's a VR yeah, that just disturbs me. I'm still terrified because I do have spiders. I, I, I play in that's a basement. That's what I want. So that's, a, that's a real around. VR challenge. Forget strapping bombs uh, to a headset. Let's strap some spiders uh, to a headset. Oh, fuck. Uh, I'd rather the bombs, dude. I would take the bombs over the spiders uh, any day. spiders, at least. Oh, God. Lord how about, almighty. How I can't even. You can't, you're making me nervous. What if the spiders cannot like physically touch you, but you can actually see them behind the lens? So yeah. you know they're there at all times. Just, oh, you can like just the see factor them. VR headset. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You really are for an entertaining uh, thing, right? You're just gonna have me in a box, like in a like a box yes. there. Oh, I think Ang we should try that. I think aggressive we try Canadian that. gets attacked by spiders. That's, you know, in the middle of a show floor. That's a great YouTube campaign for for Tim Cook for Apple. Like, hey, you guys want to try out the upcoming headset or see it? It's inside this bucket of spiders. <laughs> Send it to the aggressive Canadian. Let's see. Let's see who's gonna review it first. <laughs> oh my lord. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Sorry. With, with, with that, uh, we're only, uh, only only 40 minutes into the show. Let's get into the news. Uh, let's leap like a fox spider onto the flappy bird that we call the newsreel. All right. So, uh, April Fool's passed us by. And as boomer a thing as that is, and I know Jose's going to call me out on that, uh, I've pulled two diamonds out of the rough, out of the treasure box for you. Okay. The first one, and this one is very much focused on Mr. Rowdy, is the Razor Razor. To, to complement his <laughs> new headset, which is a brand new Razor headset, uh, there's this mouse that has shaving, uh, shaving capabilities, running at a blistering 360 follicles per second. Uh, it sports the tagline, feel sharp, play sharp. And it's got these little rollers here and you just shave away. So uh, he's going to roll that, uh, that lovely April Fool's trailer. It's amazing. Starts off with a a bearded gamer sitting there playing away some FPS and he's got the razor razor in his hand. So he's able just to quickly just boom, take that beard right off and feel sharp and look sharp for his games ahead. Uh -oh. What Actually, do you think, Rowdy? Oh, <laughs> he's going to do live streams. <laughs> it changed to something very interesting all of a sudden. That would have been amazing. Oh, man. So that is the razor razor. I thought that that was probably my favorite of the April Fool's ones. Uh, the end. The, the ending of that particular video goes uh, goes very to manscaped area. But anyway, we'll leave that alone. Keep your mice out of your pants, gentlemen. I'll watch it later. Um, My own time. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure she will. Probably Saved. make a TikTok out of it. Um, <laughs> TikTok. And then the second one. The second one that I liked. Oh man, I like this one. Uh, was from Decagear. Well, you remember that team who uh, made, took a placeholder uh, payment and then well vanished. Mm -hmm. um, well, uh, they got punked by their ex staff on April Fool's Day on LinkedIn, and on other platforms. Rowdy, this is one I'm going to ask you to read out for us. It's like three paragraphs, but um, man, it's a gem. All right, just a second. I'm going to pull it up on stream as well. Good, man. But yes, this is uh, what we could... Uh, this is gone, by the way. It's not on the internet anymore. <laughs> it only lasted like, I think, about 48 hours before somebody took it down. But my God, it was fun. Um, 
So we're gonna right, I got it, I got it up. Um, it's right. this one, right? Uh, Mega Dota Simulation Games. Yep. Greetings, everyone. We are thrilled to announce the production of the highly anticipated VR headset, the Deca Gear, has officially started. For those who have pre-ordered, your Deca <laughs> your Deca soon is almost here. We're excited to share that in addition to the previously announced features such as eye tracking and fingerprint login, the Deca, Peer, the Deca Gear will now also include the use of pancake lenses and OLED micro displays. These advancements will enhance the overall VR experience, providing an even more immersive and realistic experience for users. We cannot wait for you to experience the Deca Gear for yourself and see just how incredible it truly is. Our team has been working hard to make sure that every aspect of the headset is perfect and we are confident that you will love it. Now, as a quick reminder, we want the, to stress the importance of OPSEC. This post is a prime example of why it's critical to ensure that admin access is revoked for everyone, for anyone who is no longer an employee of the company. So please take the necessary steps to safeguard your information and ensure that your company's data is always secure. Thank you for your support, and we do hope that you enjoyed the Deca gear and your April Fool's Day. Yep, that is Deca. Um, uh, it's like a disgruntled yeah, ex-employee who realized they still had access to the company's LinkedIn or something. Excellent. That's exactly what that is. That's uh, exactly what that is. I love it as well because it's like it's like a because from what we heard, uh, people were you know let go. They were ramping down um, all of a sudden. And the staff got, basically got the shoe out the door with nothing. You know, it was just a carpet pulled out from under their feet. And so yeah. this is somebody who still has access uh, <laughs> to that account and is like, "Yeah, hey, you know what's going to be funny in 2023? <laughs> yeah, so Gear. <laughs> if, 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 if nothing else, it's just another resounding echo of what could have been the Gear headset, which I think we will never see. Uh, which is sad yeah. because Rowdy and I loved the the Deca Move, the little hip tracker device. Yeah, loved absolutely. it a lot. Um, yeah. So it's 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 a, it's a shame that they're 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 not going to be a reality. But uh, if April Day, if April Fools is going to do anything, I think yep, beard shaven mice and uh, pissed off <laughs> Deca employees is I think what it should be. <laughs> All right. That's wild. So that is that. Speaking of things, um, you know that that passed on to the other side. We also have Bloomberg, uh, who were saying that Sony was only hitting 270,000 units of their PSVR 2 by the end of March. Um, IGN reported that as an underwhelming start. Uh, so take that uh, from that what you may. I personally think it's a load of bollocks uh, because that attachment rate for uh, PSVR 2 is, I still find to be substantial. 270,000 against, let's say, the old, uh, you know, DK two days of three months in and they only had 10,000 units in the wild or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's uh, the tail for this headset, I think. This is my, my personal prediction. I think it's going to be pretty fat uh, and long because the attachment that I'm seeing uh, through the goggles of Reddit that I've worn for about a decade now, um, Reddit, like new user posts, are not slowing down. And when people finally get their hands on it, which is currently only sold in certain markets, they're bigger markets, through the direct Sony website. It's not in the stores or anything yet. Um, it's easy to play, it's easy to spend, and it's easy to keep going with the good times. And so I just think that a lot of journalists are making a lot of noise over something that is rather expected at this point of their sales cycle, given the outlets where you can actually buy one. 
And I don't think it's actually representative of any kind of a slowdown or failure or emergency break needed uh, type situation for Sony. That's just my opinion, my two cents on the matter. But um, I certainly, I, I don't like these, I don't like these posts. I really I don't. don't. Um, but I mean, they're, they're, it's clickbait, right? You know, you get these posts for Xbox, you get these posts for anything. And I mean, it's true that probably, um, I mean, expectations are always always high for these kind of things. And mm. to meet these kind of expectations, expectations always is always going to be an issue. But I agree with you that, like, I, I do think that, you know, the PSVR has, has maybe, you know, struggled to maybe sell. But I don't think it's because there's people not wanting to buy it, but it's probably because of supply chain, uh, logistics, you know, production, you know, all, all of those kind of things that well, play a role affording well. it. Affording mm-hmm. it is a big player here i think right now people are people are feeling you know their heating bills their rent uh whatever it is right um and i get that that plays a factor but i think it's too early to yell a death knell for some for a headset that that's as awesome as as psvr2 i think it's Uh, also and i think it's also important to note that when you look at historical you know sales calls or sales announcements um, when the internet started really blowing up and access to for, for public relations and investor calls started being streamed over the internet, the messaging and conversations with investors started changing and adapting. They, they were fully aware that this is no longer really public, but actually now com- to open to the competitors. So when you're a large company like Sony that is selling a, a, an attachment directly through your sources only and you're able to now have real sales data that says when you look at the numbers four percent of the overall ps5 marketplace and that they're they're talking about that at a global level you can't get the psvr2 in in like 80 percent of the ps5 market at the moment so a four percent is really probably like a three to five attachment rate for the us so it's actually a really really good number the problem is, how do you convey that information to the savvy investors, to the people who are actually putting up money at the highest of levels and also don't encourage a competitor to come in the space? So you have to be careful with how that information is funneled. So by saying, oh, we were disappointed that we didn't sell 100% of all our units. Instead, we only sold 4%, right? So when you actually start looking at the numbers, the numbers are phenomenal for an attachment rate of a device that only came out less than two months ago. One question, Jose, the 4% you're quoting. Mm-hmm. Um, I So there, there was a separate statistic yes. um, that was 4% of... Adoptions. Teenage yes. headset owners. So that's different. Sorry, I don't know yeah, if we're in the same I guess, like, spot. I'm I think both, it was yeah. half a percent or one percent of the based upon the PlayStation Five, uh, PlayStation Fives in the wild, the attachment rate, so to speak. Who's buying the add-on? Who's buying the PSVR two? I, I mean, believe it, it was between it half expensive. a percent and one percent. Yeah. Um, but still, two hundred seventy thousand yeah. of these things out there in the first six weeks. It's incredible. Uh, I, I don't see how you put a measuring stick against that. And I mean, even if you take the earlier Bloomberg news that we had, which if I re- remember correctly, there was a prediction that I don't remember if this was in 2023. There's something like a million units, right? They were expecting to ship a million units in 2023. And then they were revising that down. And I remember Sony saying, no, we haven't revised it down. That was a couple months ago, right? Just before the launch of PSVR 2. Yeah. So I can understand it from a shareholder perspective because if a company is saying, hey, we're expecting to make this much profit, this is how, you know, 
how prolific we want our headset to be, uh, and then they have to revise that down, yeah. shareholders can get nervous, and I get that. So I just wanted to clarify the four yeah. percent that you, you were citing. You were correct about the attachment that from me from earlier. Overall, yeah, and that's okay. and, and, and sorry for conflating both numbers. The 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 the, the point no, of, right. the point I was trying to make is the the way that VR or money is spent in VR on the consumer level has changed drastically, especially when you're especially when you look at an all in one yeah. headset like a Quest Two. The all in one headset, weirdly enough, although it has multiple profiles and all of this these uh, multi user quality assurance uh software additions it always hmm. gives off the perspective that this is a unified unique device for one person where a console a home console doesn't do that especially yeah. the psvr2 you're not going to see somebody buy a psvr2 when they're sharing a ps5 so if they have a one ps5 in the household it might already be sharing multiple profiles multiple libraries it's the, the perspective is different when you look at VR chat. There's a reason why VR chat is the, one of the biggest platforms in the world. There's money being spent in VR. It's just the, the way that money is spent. This is akin to when mm. people were early on saying, oh, um, oh I forgot the, the, the name of the business model, but I'll remember in a second. But games like Fortnite, the, the, the business model of them, people were like, oh, nobody would ever spend in the free to play games. Da, 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 da. And now it's one of the biggest <laughs> ecosystems for yeah. gaming it's just kids spend money differently vr is going to take a change money in game economy um including how vr is adopted and, and, and looked at um yeah. I, I really do think that the attachment numbers when you look at them from a very high level perspective when you look at interests when you look at um the way that people spend money the conversations as you said on reddit mm. the the people that don't care about sales calls and sales numbers they're not paying mind to those conversations this is strictly business plays that are trickling misinformation in their sales calls in order to avoid you know a, a, a microsoft announcing support for the quest 2 on their on their on their consoles which Seems like a real conversation that's happening behind the scenes because at GDC I did mention that to a few Microsoft people and they were like, "Oh yeah, we 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 know Oculus, we we have support for them." You guys saw the 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 Azure compatibility now for Quest. And I'm like, "Oh, yep. Xbox yep. Live Game Pass, duh." <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah, for yeah. Quest. And I think that's where I really think that we we need we need that in VR oh, at going. some stage. I and mean, we saw it a little bit with HTC's offering, but. A, an all-in-one smorgasbord of, of VR games to attach to a headset to keep people in, um, I think is going to be important yes. in VR's immediate future. Because one of the things that I, I see a lot of, um, not only people converting to like the console side, like PSVR 2, but th again, we're into the phase now where Quest 2's not for everybody, but a lot of people have them sitting there and they're not necessarily revisiting. They're not going in every week. And this is the this is where that four percent statistic comes out. So CNBC, um, who I don't particularly again look up to, um, but they 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 were sharing um, a a poll that was done by a company called uh, Piper Sandler. Uh, they surveyed five thousand six hundred teens in the U.S. in February, and the reports of this were that um, VR usage of existing headset owners within that teenage population uh, was fourteen percent on a weekly basis, 4% on a daily basis. Um, so those are the numbers, right? In terms of their poll uh, of, of that, uh, of the, of the polled population, 7% said they planned to purchase a headset versus 52% of teens polled who were unsure or uninterested. 
Um, and again, it is where we are, I think, uh, to some extent. And any statistics that, you know, we're put in front of you, whether it be in the podcast, you're reading a news article, you always have to look at them with a grain of salt mm. um, because this yeah. is one market, right? This is time of year. This, there's a number of different factors in this. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if you went up to an average teen and asked them, hey, you're going to buy a headset? And they would, most of them are going to probably say no, you know? And, and no, they were trying to look at it. Buy it. Exactly. <laughs> I, a lot of, but, just but to you, spend money on the console itself, that's like a lot of allowance money. And then yeah. spend, to save up an additional, I don't know, several years of allowance money to get the headset, like... I could see, you know, this rough. stat is generic, Adam, just so that you're clear. Yeah. So this stat isn't tied to PSVR 2. This ah, is any VR, VR headset. And they were they were trying to compare it to like mobile phones. And they're like, hey, is this is <laughs> is this is going to be as popular as uh, is it replacing, you know, phones right now? And I, I think there isn't anyone who's saying that a VR of, headset replaces your phone at the minute. I keep thinking of that meme. Uh, I forgot uh, I forgot the actor's name, but he's holding the, the old guy holding the skateboard and he's like, "Well, how do you do, fellow kids?" I just imagine this guy like this old guy in a suit like just trying to pretend to be cool. He's like, "What's up, kids? Like, are you going to get a VR headset? Like, what kind of headset are you getting, dude?" Like like, who answers surveys? What like, what I think that's in the... What, like, most media sites picture VR servants? enthusiasts is that meme. And it's like, exactly. that's not true. We're it's, not I love the point. And that's the problem. It's like, if we... And, and that's... That data, those anal- that those statistics, like, they're, they're unfortunately... Like, think about it. What, what unfortunate reality does a teenager have to live where they're taking the time to answer a survey? Like no, like yeah. no, nobody. How, and and nobody how you surveyed matters exactly. Right, it's... the one. Like if you're surveying in a mall, for example, you're not going to catch any of those kids that were at home playing with a VR headset either, yeah. right? Like it's like it's anyway. surveying is is very hard, mm-hmm. um, very just in general. But I mean, they they painted they paint a picture. Like it's a general picture, but you need to you need to take it with a with a grain of salt because indeed, like you know, what what population are they surveying? How are the questions formulated? You know, usually surveys are are, are made by psychologists because they have a better idea for like how because you can ask a question and if that question is leaning towards a particular answer, like you could for example say uh, I don't know like. <laughs> Due to like uh, the the recent con- controversy that is going on with Meta, are you are you going to buy a VR headset? Well, if you formulate yeah, exactly. your question that way, well, you know people are more likely going to say no, exactly. right? I mean, I'm not saying that they're doing that, but I'm just saying like surveys are very hard and it's hard to draw a um, a good conclusion from there. And it's people don't like liking things that are not cool. I, I if I was a 14 year old and you would have asked me if I liked Meta. I would have said no, simply because it's not cool. Some people, some people are just more comfortable being followers in certain situations, especially when it comes to disliking a company, to hating a company, to mocking a person. It's the unfortunate reality of the internet. That's just how it works. Mm. It's you will never be able to really appropriately estimate an industry anymore because there's just too much noise and data. There's it's just it, it's impossible. The only way you can get it is by being involved in it, being yeah. in the Reddit being in the thick of it it's it's unfortunately the only way yeah and and again i mean it could it could be the case that uh, we find ourselves in six months and you know maybe there's there hasn't been another decent software title that landed on psvr2 and it's all dried up CNBC and, yeah. releases a I, mean, title. I, I told you so. i'm eating my hat 
Yeah, yeah, see me. See, I told you so. <laughs> I told exactly. you so. Um, it's dead. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, speaking of dead stuff, uh, let's talk about this one a little bit because uh, there's another one that's fallen off my bucket list. E3 also got canceled. Oh. So IGN reported uh, that this did not garner sustained interest necessary to execute it in a way that would showcase the size, strength, and impact of the industry. So E3 is canceled uh, for 2023 and potentially this foreseeable future. It's likely that E3 might be uh, might be a dead dead duck. Uh, so that's that's a little bit sad. I think Adam, you've been to it. Uh, Jose, yeah. what about you? I went to the last one they had, but even that one, there was like a big gap between that mm. one and like a few years ago. So they had a um, like a press application that they were doing. So I applied and you know got in. Was waiting to hear more details on the event. So it was really sad to see this because E three that had been. I'm glad it, I at least went once before it's potentially never coming back again because that was kind of my bucket list. You know E three Gamescom like all back in exactly. the day you had you didn't have that many so it was only just the huge ones. So that's it's sad to hear. But I guess because so many companies are doing their own. Uh, you know, their own expos or whatever, or there's just so many now they're like, eh, I, I don't know what the pricing of uh, to rent a booth at E3 is. I, I'd love Gaming to be the guy. so big that E3 is not big anymore, basically. <laughs> yeah. the, the, no, that's, that's exactly like, it. Like, yeah. like that's Bethesda exactly like, it. can do their own. Like, they're yeah. like, oh, we have our own expo. <laughs> and also they're... Well, it's better for their timing mm-hmm. and logistics, and there's a number of benefits, but I just wanted to say, uh, for the person who handled your press application, Adam, I'm, I'm sure they w- would have loved to read about your fake metaverse company. You know? <laughs> uh, hey, hey, shh. Adam World. <laughs> that was only for meta, one meta. party meta. only. <laughs> meta, meta. Meta, meta. So she did meta, this. Meta, meta. I love it. We crashed a crypto party at GDC because we heard they had free food and drinks. And that, I'm not going to lie. They did have good free food and drinks that you know that promise was fulfilled the but i was people, like i don't really want to talk really to they really do got people. the food the crypto the crypto <laughs> events got the food they really do was it real food though <laughs> okay they had it was finger food but it was pretty much like all you can eat finger food like they had people coming out right. in trays and they had like pizza out that you oh, could grab but they so weren't like could... nfts <laughs> you buy like NFT <laughs> <fries>. <laughs> i see what you mean. what do i do <laughs> no. that's cute that's cute you could right. actually so eat that... it and so could everybody else regarding <laughs> so the... that's e3 regarding e3 Man, like I feel like what hurt them yeah. is what I saw and what you we all witness. Uh, uh, Rowdy, next you gotta come with us. But what we witnessed at GDC, it was the industry. People really care. It's like music, right? People really started caring with uh, the artist, but they started caring more about the producer also who writes the lyrics. the The game industry has evolved to the point that. We look up to game developers as rock stars now, right? So the the GDC conference has turned into a meet and greet of sorts of the industry, which E3 was desperately being pushed towards for years. That's the reason you mentioned that you wanted to go there was the bucket list. The E3 became a victim of its own arrogance. They were like, oh, this is going to be industry only. We're going to keep the polish. I uh, the last E3 I actually attended was two years before the pandemic. And this was when before they were they were softening up to the overall industry, and I remember the the headaches that my leadership at the time had to go through in order to get a badge as an exhibitor. It was un- uh. completely like unresponsive. They were they were essentially asking for way more money. Um, the industry side of events that's up there. A lot of people don't talk about like E 3s the the amusement expos, the PAX events. These are run by fright companies. 
by the companies that actually you can't just start a company and say, oh, I'm going to have a booth by myself and set this up and bring and, you know, cart my 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 stuff into it. No, you actually have to go through a logistics, a shipping supplier. Most of them, they don't allow you to do anything on the booth without their say so. So there is a, yeah. a technical mafia behind the scenes. Right. So these mafias start getting very angsty they want more money they get more aggressive towards the booth operations and the and the vendors which all spirals out of control that's the reason why nintendo pulled out that's why sony pulled out Be the bureaucracy is just so large yeah. that these companies were like why am i dealing with this let me do it myself Yeah, and there's huge cost associated with it as well mm -hmm. which can be a big barrier to yes. anyone who's uh indie small or medium it's hurtful um, even companies yeah uh, it's interesting. I've seen that. I, I saw that at VRLA mm -hmm. and like they were charging uh, extortionate money to have a television on the stand. You know, it was something like 15 grand <laughs> per TV. <laughs> and it was like, guys, we can get this cheaper at Best Buy. And so that's what we did. Yeah. <laughs> we went to, you know, Do you want to know own, how much it is to get a TV at E3? Please tell it's me. It's $60,000. What? Wait, are, what size are we talking about? Uh, TV? I think a like, fifty-five, a fifty-five inch LED. Um, still big, but yes. like that's a lot of money. That's a lot of yeah, money because they're, 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 the thing is, they bring in the the crew time, the effort to mount it, and all that kind of stuff, right? So you get that service, but you pay for yes. it, and so that's yeah. That's why PAX has done a really good job <laughs> with the developers. There's a there's a lot of value to these events that just just. We never often think about because we're so focused on showing up to the floor and showcasing the games, but the the logistics and the mechanism behind these events just yeah. are just so anti-business. It, it shocked me. Yeah. It really shocked me. When I was there, um, this is a couple of years ago now, but uh, when I was there in VRLA, it was like, I, I just, I was learning from the dev side, like what it was costing in indie to kind of put, put a showcase together, just a half decent, smallish booth, you know? Um, and it was like wow, this is bloody expensive. Like they were maxing out credit cards, all that kind of stuff, just to be able to try to get the thing to work. Um, so I, I understand that. And uh, yeah, big players pull out and then E3 evaporates. So it's a, it's a sad thing that I won't get a chance to go because yeah, back in the, I suppose it was early 2000s or something. I used to look at that event as like, that's like gaming Mecca. <laughs> that's all where all the big brands are and I'd love to go. So we'll, we'll see. Maybe it's still got, you know, life in it. Maybe it'll come back one day, but um, for now, not happening this year. Um, another thing that's not happening this year, uh, Quest 1 support for Golf Plus, which is a game I like a lot, is going away on October 3rd. And with that, we have a victor and a loser. Um, so Walkabout Mini Golf wins out, and Pro Putt, uh, the title by the same company behind Golf Plus, is dying. They're actually they're pulling the plug on Pro Putt, which was the game that kind of started everything off. Um, which is another mini golf game. And if you haven't played it, it's totally fine. It's totally a good game. Um, but I think going up against the behemoth that is now walkabout and other abilities to, you know, do pitch and putt and mini golf and stuff and games like Rec Room or, you know, VR Chat, it's going away. So not surprising necessarily. Um, I find it's kind of welcome in the in the Golf Plus stack because if you go into a game and there's literally three sub games, it's very confusing from an end user perspective. Um, so for them to streamline and actually focus on what they're doing great, which is Golf Plus, uh, fantastic. I feel bad for Quest 1 owners, though, because that this is a forced upgrade for them. But hopefully <clears throat> there'll be a Quest 3 around the corner that they can step to before long. Uh, so with that, I don't want to just give you all sour news because I loaded it with all the stuff that's just died off and all that. Let's give you some good stuff. So what about 
the Steam Deck 2. A uh, prototype of Steam Deck 2 has actually gotten into the hands of Linus's team, uh, which is pretty neat. We've got some images of that for Rowdy to be able to show you. A sleek white device, a little bit smaller form factor. They've gotten rid of some of the flappy paddles on the back of it. Uh, and there's a blog post out there if you want to check out Linus Gaming's uh, update on Steam Deck 2. I was very curious about Steam Deck, got to play with it over Christmas. Really think it's a cool system. And of course, with people like, sadly, it's Bradley calling out, you know, the, the whole idea of the Deckards, right? This idea of like a, a form factor that may be a headset or that it would play off of each other. And we'd see Valve again make a play in the, the VR HMD space. Um, that's what makes me curious about it. But also as a handheld gamer, um, you know, the Steam Deck 2 looks pretty kind of cool. It's just really sleek and I'm curious to see them iterate as they said they would, even if this is like a 2025 product. Uh, this is maybe our first glimpse of what that might look like. So there's that. Uh, we also have another little bit of news, which I, I want to just help give a little bit of airtime to because I really enjoyed what the developer created for us as creators and the game, uh, which is Eye of the Temple is coming to Quest 2. Uh, that's the platform where really it deserved to be on because it's the headset that does, you know, room scale better <coughs> than any other one uh, on, all on its own. And so I'm really happy to see that. The game always kind of looked like it belonged on Quest 2 as well. Its graphical style was kind of fitting that. So I think that Quest 2 owners are going to really like that when that comes out. I don't know if that's slated for later this year necessarily, but it's being worked on. It's been announced and very glad about that. Uh, with that, one more thing just about like VR parties. I know we all got to party, but um, so did the VR OGs who got together in Tuscany, uh, which those of you who are... Uh, from the age-old days of the reboot of VR, the reunion party for the Oculus DK1's 10th anniversary. Uh, it sported a high-quality scan of a DK1 booth from back in GDC in 2013. Uh, this really slick kind of white double-cross booth uh, showing off, of course, the Oculus Development Kit 1. Back when all of this wonderful rebirth of VR started, and it's just a lovely homage to see it. Uh, with a bunch of people getting together. I see Mark Schramm in the background there popping out with his high-fidelity avatar, uh, but I wanted just to kind of just just applaud that. I think it's good that the family's getting together, you know, um, for a reunion, and I look forward to seeing what we do with the, uh, you know, the, the 20th anniversary of the DK1, whenever that happens. Maybe Palmer will be in charge of some military division <laughs> that makes VR headsets at that point. <laughs> um, speaking of the military... Let's keep you all excited and on your toes. Uh, do you remember FPS Enhanced Reality, the game where Apache helicopters and trained assassins would attack you in your home? Uh, and Rowdy and I were, were saying it was a bit nerve wracking because, you know, having Americans run down their big lofty corridors with uh, uh, f fake guns <laughs> and then having their kids pop up or whatever, it just like sounds like a bad idea. But now we've, we've got the first build of FPS Mixed Reality. So that's FPS Enhanced Reality becoming FPS Mixed Reality. Uh, the dev has gotten outside working with the Quest Pro, um, given the like light level support that the Quest Pro offers outdoors. I mean, this thing features full APCs, rocket launchers. Oh, and did I mention he's gunning it around on a bloody motorcycle? <laughs> he's got a Quest Pro on outdoors, <laughs> uh, riding around, stopping every so often to take out some bad guys riding around his, I'm just going to call it a lofty estate, because I'm sure some dev would love to hear that about their place. But yeah, it's quite a large 
a large place he's got. But oh, the last God. time I saw something like this, I think it was when uh, Nathy was trying out the Pico 4 on a bicycle off in, uh, off in his homeland there fast, somewhere. Like, this it was in Belgium. Pretty fast. It was in Ghent. Oh, was it? It was in Ghent. Okay. Yeah. That's incredible. But this it's is kind of yeah. nuts, you know, nuts. like like yeah. on the back of a motorcycle. Did you just see this guy though on the street? Just someone doing like finger guns with the controller and was like, "What yeah. is somebody's gonna get killed?" I, I I see things like this and I'm like, man, like I, I who's gonna like he just looks so terrified. <laughs> like this, looks, this looks like a menace. Like I try to think of somebody but who the- doesn't know VR. <laughs> you just see this. Yeah, there's gonna be some old person who's gonna yes. see, you know, if he's got. I don't know if it requires controllers, but, I mean, but they're gonna I, see I the mean, controller to, in his hand and be like, "Oh my god, yeah, he's making like that's shooting a, motions with the trigger." Be, like, yeah, but I mean, to be honest, like, I mean, it's in the U.S. He's wearing shorts and he's white. I'm sure he's fine. Yeah, like, <laughs> <true>. <laughs> yeah. If he if he was outside of the U.S., it would have been bad. It's like if an old person's like, yeah. "This is what I've been, this is what I've been reading and being scared of my whole life." <laughs> they're coming for us yeah i know it's like it is mad though i love these kind of crazy dev things like what we had with with the there was another game that was uh where you know guys like running full tilt across a field and you're just expecting he's gonna break a leg one of these days and there's like obstacles coming at him or the like giant beat saber map that they had done this like custom one um i love these projects you guys know that but this one just looks so nutty i do agree though wearing a headset that could i know it's passed through but when the battery dies uh so does your vision and so like <laughs> it's not the it's it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, one thing to be doing uh, pastor while you're just standing, but when you're in a vehicle that could potentially kill people, yeah. and that you know the risk factor gets yeah. a little higher That's, there. <laughs> I, I, I hope that if that happens, and like if you die in a game, like it should become and it becomes all black, it should come up like you know you died. Oh like, man! <laughs> you, 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 know, you ever seen like those those really? God, grim, this has gone dark. Those, there's like a really grim commercial Jesus, of like this like I think it's like a mom or something that shows like the text mess the last text message that somebody sent before a car accident. You're gonna see somebody holding a headset like this is the last oh, screen yeah. they saw before their accident, and it's like that you died in oh. red. <laughs> Game oh, over. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't know if I don't know. Do you guys in the states have? Um, like in Ireland, they do crazy drink driving commercials, um, which is what they call drunk driving. <laughs> so um, you, you'll have like little little kid playing at a birthday party. Dad's like, oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden you have like a little hatchback come rolling oh, through geez. a hedge and smashes over the kids oh, like all man. in an extreme like like almost like you're in a horror film. But this is just this is shown to the general public as a. Wake the F up. Don't drink and drive. You're going to kill a kid, oh, right? Man. That's like the idea. But it, they are so dramatic. Look them up online. Irish ads for drunk driving. Yeah. The reason why I remembered that is that I saw that in Judge Dub's video when he was doing rally driving. <laughs> he did a YouTube video. Oh, yes. A yes, he YouTube did. Video. That's what he did. You're oh, right. Oh, man. Someone's going to edit. He, did, he pretended he crashed. He was like, oh, good. I don't want, I don't want to somebody to edit. I don't want somebody to edit That's and merge cool. that one with like the Nathie in a bike video, but it would be funny. <laughs> it would be funny would if be I, funny. somebody sent that. Very good. But no, man, it, it's, yeah, that's intense. We are skiing very quickly down a, a dangerous slope in VR and AR for I'm sure. Ready. And, uh, there are so many there are so many daredevils out there. Speaking of that, there's a company that makes AR snow goggles. So let's look at this one next, yeah. right? So this Makes is going to give you a full HUD uh, while you ski. And the coolest feature, I would say, haven't 
I grew up a little bit in Alaska and I did learn to ski. Um, the coolest feature is the ability to locate friends or family. They have an app that's attached in or that's uh, part of the headset and it gives you like a little directional pointer where your friend or family member or whatever, whoever you're skiing with is located. And if they're close to you, it doesn't show that at all. Um, it also gives you, for example, this is the dangerous part, you know, your speed miles per hour downhill. So you're like, yeah, I'm hitting 50, man. Okay. Um, so it's got that like gamery HUD. There's a video on that page, Rowdy, that I want you to run because it probably gives the best representation. Now, this is a lopsided, lumpy brick of a battery that's attached to this, just to the side of your skull, right? So, like, it doesn't look like it's been that well engineered, and I'm a little worried about it from that yeah. side. Uh, but let, let's be honest, right? Like, no one is winning a slimming contest in snow pants. Like, that just doesn't happen. Snow gear is bulky a lot of the time, but getting to see your top speed, the time... And your friend's location, you know, so that you know where you are together, particularly if they run off the wrong pass or let's say they hit a tree and needed help. Um, the app, like the the friend tracking component of the headset to me is the most is the neatest part. And um, the headsets, it's a three hundred and fifty dollar accessory. Right. So that's not terrible. Years ago, these things were like six, seven, eight hundred dollars. Uh, so the price really is coming down. Just to put it in perspective for those in the UK, that's about two hundred and eighty pounds. Um the team at Recce are a U.S.-based team, four friends, all people who enjoy like snowboarding, and they just split up the work and they manufactured this headset. And um, they just they have this lovely little tagline. I thought I'd read out for you before I take your reactions to this thing. Um, they said we're a group of friends that love skiing and snowboarding and are obsessed with creating goggles that unlock superhero performance in action environments. And that's Recce. That is the Recce AR snow goggle. I, I mean, I, I clearly don't know enough about skiing, but like the only thing I can really see about this is that it shows you speed and like like some direction. But like what 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 about it increases your performance? It's not really about. Oh, so, well, <laughs> yeah. So you're like superhero performance. So I think the purpose of the headset and who they're trying to really market it to is groups of individuals who are going to hang out together on a slope. Um, and then the speed indicator. Now, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't been around people who are skiing and snowboarders that much, but the attraction to me, if I was doing that would be, yeah, what's, what's my speed at a particular part of the track. So as I'm going down, uh, let's say a diamond route, can I, can I hit 60, you know, uh, safely, right? <laughs> but are there... like, can, that's the sporting side of it. Cause you're trying to, it can be a maximum time, right? Like, for example, if you're skiing, one of one of the th the features of a of a ski course is often can it get from A to B in a in a quicker time than someone right. else, right? Right. Are there markers so that would be the selling point for like? Just, I, I I really don't know anything about skiing, right? I don't think I ever touched a mountain of snow where you where the purpose is to slide on it. But um, <laughs> are there markers? It's fun. Like that allow you to know, like, hey, this is the trajectory of the route. Like, is there something that the headset like, is there something visually in the training? So that's the problem. No, yeah. no. So I think where you're going is really where we think like Apple glasses will mm -hmm. go in the future, like Chevron's pointing you the direction to the Starbucks idea that we've talked about before. Mm -hmm. So if you could see like what's the safe route or even better yet, like what was your ghost? Can you see your ghost mm -hmm. from your last run? You know, things like that, almost you see like in kayak VR would be really neat. Yeah. But again, the tech that we have at home is so much for, more advanced than what we have on the slope. Yeah. And so it does look definitely a generation behind. Okay. Um, and, and I think it will continue to lag. But AR, I think, is where, where we're 100%. at with that. But then you, yeah. 
where do you strap the battery, right? Yeah. So and, that, that's and that's the, what scares me is like right now, like there's no way. Like that's what always gets me very scared of anything AR related because if if there's no way for a human to cookie cutter the process, like if you would have told me, like for example, like a basketball court, there's so much markers on the floor, there's so much data that you could theoretically teach a robot, hey, play basketball really really well because it knows where it is at all times. Where on a snow slope, you really don't. I'm assuming everything's covered uh, in white. Variable. So the headset yeah. won't know what if that's really a hill like or markers, if, if landmarks. Yeah, there has to Go be something. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> jump off a uh, jump off a cliff. Uh, yeah, that's know, a very like, good point for tracking mm -hmm. purposes. I mean, how else would you do yeah. it? You could do GPS data. You could use that for, uh, for, for, for positional, yeah. The problem is that, that to, to reaffirm yeah. its 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 assurance of knowing where yeah, it is. Like, um, there's a lot of devices that you would yes. use, like when you're climbing mountaineering, for example, to know your exact position, Dagger height, scale, GPS air is. pressure, all of that, right? So I would think a merger of those mm -hmm. two technologies oh, would man. work quite well. Now you're getting me excited. You couldn't just use <laughs> you couldn't just use inside-out tracking. Yeah. Uh, alone on a snow-based surface, I can't there imagine. There is technology that that could, that one hundred percent can do this. Funny enough, that's something that a lot of people that talk mm. that have that spoken about, like the military uh, uh, mixed reality headsets, never even talk about. Yeah. So there's something called dagger technology, which is an evolution of GPS, which is a much more positional technology than a GPS. It's actually what the military was using up to maybe ten years ago because they're they got something way better now, which is what new GPS is going to look like, which is using LiDAR and much more positional, positional. Um, that new technology is being, was what actually was being tested with the, uh, the HoloLens. Um, the problem is that that technology right. is so secret that most people that are talking about the military HoloLens don't even highlight that. But that's really the value of these mixed reality headsets. It's the one-to-one, super precise global positioning that these headsets will be able to do which will enable the skiing theoretically down a hill that will show you where people are at. It just won't be able to show you exactly I how wonder, that hill will look like yeah. in the headset. It's I, I do wonder though, like LiDAR based systems are often um, kind of similar, like the, the valve base station, a, a spinning laser based solution, right? Mm -hmm. So they're generally sensitive to, impact motion calibration where there's a number of things like they, they use them for example in robot vacuum cleaners to map out the environment and not scratch your walls or whatever um but there are a few headsets we'll talk a little yeah. bit later apple are, are potentially using lidar mm -hmm. in their system as well so we'll get to that there are a couple of other flavors here that i wanted to sh talk to you about so if you're like interested in ar stuff and you're like hey what's out what's available what can i purchase because i got money burning a hole in my pocket mm -hmm. for some reason um the enreal air we talked about before is like a 200 inch um I'll, I'll say fixed to your head screen ar glasses that you can pop out and plug them into a steam deck or your laptop uh, that type of thing, right? There's another one. Um, uh, the Mokid Max is another headset that's like that as well. And so there's a number of these companies now for around about like kind of 300 to $450 US dollars. You can get these like sporty looking 200 inch wearables, um, which just they they look pretty neat. They're pretty you know small form factor. And when you can plug them into something, you get privacy, you get a huge screen. And I actually think that some of these selling points, which we'll talk about when we get to Apple, are going to be the use case for that individual who's like, I don't want to wear a VR headset. 
but when we get to that point, you know, entertainment's going to be a really big hook. So just be aware there are devices out there. Uh, my personal recommendation would be probably hold on to your money, wait a year and see where we are in a year's time. Um, because I think some of the big players are going to drop this year something that might change the game. So that is that. Um, with that, let's swing from wearables into Rec Room wearables. Um, they've done something quite admirable, and they've taken a welcome step towards increased inclusivity in their games. Uh, they added six types of hearing devices for those with hearing impairment as a as a free accessory uh, gifted to players, uh, which is which I thought was like a really nice update. Uh, in fact, my eldest daughter has a major notch in her hearing, which was really hard for me um, having my firstborn, my first kid and stuff and being an audiophile, learning that my kids got like a hearing problem was like, oh, Jesus, you know, it was like really hard because it's like you're not going to hear the world in the same way that that I hear it. Um, so this is a really nice gesture to see, because just like facial hair, which we've complained about before in Rec Room, um, like we, we griped, griped about that on a previous podcast, uh, when there's something about you that you see when you look in the mirror, whether it's a tattoo or a great big rowdy beard, then, you know, it's nice to have, nice to have that option in VR too. Um, uh, so that, that, that I think I just want to applaud uh, Rec Room for that piece, but um, that's not all, right? Um, and, and no, don't think legs yet. Legs are still in the oven. Legs are still <laughs> in the oven. They are still cooking. We don't have legs yet, right? But, but uh, they decided to sort us special kids out with noses so people with like giant noses like me can feel right at home in rec room no longer with a flat face now we can show our prominence in true full form thank Amazing. you rec room. <laughs> i love it actually the noses in rec room don't look too weird which is which is nice because i, I wondered if they'd looked like that weird minecraft character uh for what they call them oh the, yeah uh, where it's like too the, like the tone is like different from the different rest than of the, the nose yeah <laughs> Like, like, like a Muppet. Villagers, I think. <laughs> yeah. Villagers. I always yeah, call what? them Muppet noses. Yeah. Like, it looks so different to the skin uh, of the face. I love that. I, I really love the the approach. That, once again, we talked about that earlier. It's like, it's so cool seeing everybody, like, maturing, adding value to, to their ecosystems and making sure that the players feel as welcome as possible, especially now that a lot of people are getting burned by, you know, shutdowns of games and networks. It's cool that... We're at yep. least seeing like a really cool counterbalance of the people that can actually do it are actually doing it. So, I, that's a really nice way to put it, Jose. I agree. Uh, the counterbalance. That's that's exactly, and that's what I was trying to do here. Is like, here's the stuff that's dying, but here's the stuff we're getting. You know, like, and we live, and it. that's how it feels right now. Yeah, day to day, right? Mm. So this is probably a good time for us to take a juncture over to uh, Jose's big spot on today's podcast, which is about the amusement expo. Uh, at, I'll just give a little intro. So at the Las Vegas Convention Center, running from March 27th through 30th this year, uh, Jose took his team out for a spot on the show floor at this huge conference and trade show. Uh, and with that, I know very little about the Amusement Expo. Jose, what's there to tell us? And, uh, and the Yeah, audience? so the Amusement Expo International is a one of the largest uh, events that happen yearly in the United States for the attraction and amusement space, which is kind of the, the side of... The industry that I dabble a lot in, which is the arcades, right? It's the people that, the, the commercial side, the entertainers, the the businesses that really love the technology that we we hold dear and they want to make a profit out of it. They want to make a quick buck. Um, the problem is that a lot of people don't know where to start. So they, these, this, these events tend to show you 
every aspect of it from seminars to teach you you know best practices of running an arcade products experiences conversations with developers conversation with platform vendors that could pretty much help you every step of the way and we were there this year showcasing my company uh reboot imagine which is a what i like to call a the first true metaverse company right a lot of people call themselves you know forward <laughs> web3 and they usually crypto and development and all that stuff what we focus on is 100 adoption right uh, right now everybody wants to get into vr especially businesses um everybody's focusing on creating amazing products and experiences i, I for uh for a living talk about vr so there's a lot of people that are already doing that um the problem is adoption um we always get people interested in getting these amazing products adopting them they want to do the mixed reality they're not you know they want to do it all but they always go to okay what do i get what do i buy um mm. it's unfortunate that the people that are answering the what do i buy are also selling a product so you end up in a situation where somebody is going to be like man i'm going to put all of the value in let's say my game that i created and the computer's only a thousand dollars plus another thousand dollars for the headset i'm just going to fluff up the cost of the hardware so i can make more money off my game so you end up having a a computer being sold do you just for just for context yes. is that do you mean like in a i'm thinking about like a location-based experience so you're like saying okay i'm so i'm gonna have the headset the game you're buying the package yes. from me so you can show it off in your dave and busters Correct. or something like that okay so and, let, uh, and you were saying a really good example would be the, the influences yeah, yeah a good go example on. would be let's say you're starting an arcade and you see after the fall and you're like i want to build my own arcade setup and i'll have four players playing after the fall at this really cool arena and you don't know where to start so you go on google and you search i want to start my own vr arcade now you find a company that is offering you a game that looks like after the fall that, that they charge you, let's say a hundred thousand dollars. And it's yeah. one game that looks like after the fall for let's say Vive Focus threes and a really good computer and a TV and a rug. So when you do the math, you're like, okay, a Focus three is about $1,300. A really good computer is about 800 to a thousand. The rug is probably another five grand, maybe if it's like really high end. Maybe not. Rug. I, I'm just. Hey, wait, 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 wait. It's an Arabian rug. rug. I'm, I'm like, being kind. I'm being kind. It was probably a hundred dollar yeah. rug, right? But at the end of the day. No, no, but is this just a rug? Are we talking a rug a like a liner rug, or something a smart about it? Little, just a rug. With little baby markers so the headset knows where it okay. is, right? Okay. So five thousand. Um, you end up seeing this product that's being sold for a hundred thousand dollars, probably more, and you're like wait a minute, what's the value? And then the companies that are selling you this, they're like, oh, it looks pretty. The game is fun. Gamification when you, but if you know the industry, you know what you're doing. You could have just bought a $800 computer. You could have bought the Focus 3s yourself and you could have licensed $30 with Springboard and now you get access to After the Fall. So now you can do that entire experience yeah. for about two grand at best of initial investment. Right. So that's the problem right now with commercial VR, mm. with the location base, with the people that adopt these experiences to with intention to make money. They don't know where to start. They don't know where they begin. So that's where my company comes in. We are focused 100 percent in helping businesses Selling it for 50,000. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what I'm focused on. It's helping people that want to get into VR, adopt VR. Um, the creators who are already creating amazing experiences, they don't have to oversell mm. their hardware. They can focus on 
bringing value to the customers. Um, so we started building open ecosystems. I call it the fan system, uh, which stands for mm -hmm. free agent network. It is a hyper maxed out five year forward facing investment into hardware. Uh, we're talking about RTX mm -hmm. 4090s, uh, water cooled i9 six gigahertz over overclocked water cooled oh, so, uh, so it doesn't have to do with the fans and no, no nothing has to do with the fans <laughs> um 128 gigs of ddr5 ram um and they're all networked so there's six computers of these including a powerful seventh computer that is designed to be a server so this server is a 32 core What's up? Jose, yes. for a second. You've lost oh, me. Yes. Um, so you I'm imagining your server rack yes. and you've got six plus one yes. uh, hardware computers. Six, six plus, plus one, in, one computers in the yes. rack. Okay. What are they what are they doing? So they're what doing are they nothing but running high-end PC VR. Just PC VR, okay, so PC VR. Um, there's an access point so you connect each headset to it. So right now, let's say you want to do right. wireless VR streaming. Everybody has seen the tutorials. It's you get a computer with a wireless router and you stream through the router. I personally, <clears throat> as a technician, as an engineer, believe and know that routers were created way before wireless VR was a thing. So they're not designed for proper bitstream wireless casting. Um, there's a reason why new technologies were invented off the fly, like uh, low, low, low encoders for... Um, a lot of people use it for, you guys use it, I think, for webcams, which is, um, I forgot the name of it, but um, very low signal formats for webcams over the air. Um, sure. All of that technology is subpar for VR streaming. And unfortunately, that's what everybody's using right now. So we're rebuilding yeah. the way the PC VR is streamed over the internet from the ground up. So applications, let's say like virtual desktop, will be able to take advantage of these new wireless solutions and wireless access points to create a more reliable, um, hyper-fidelity, um, forward-facing um, realities of graphical technology, right? Nobody's going to want to stream mm. at 1080p resolution on a 4K headset. And that's where kind of everybody's at right now. Um, I'm working right. with... So yeah. in the I'm just gonna ask. So, so um, <clears throat> like, what the experience that I've had of location-based mm -hmm. so far has been, uh, well, going back a few years, right? Backpack PC with a headset, yeah. or all-in-one headset with a, frankly, kind of disappointingly low fidelity experience, right? But networked, and sometimes the character-to-character -character network is not so laggy, good, yeah. or yeah, the gen. I would say the general impression i have of lbe in the space you operate um hasn't been great yeah. it certainly doesn't hold a candle to pc at exactly. home you know pc vr at home and and so getting there i think is 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 really quite important yes. um and i am interested in in your solution i'm also interested in what did you see industry-wise um at the amusement expo yeah new maybe that that wasn't because this is a different this is kind of similar to that event i forget the name of it now very similar amusement expo name in, <laughs> in florida that was six months ago yes. I yeah so this feels like 100%. the nevada nevada version of Correct. that uh what's changed in six months yeah. you know in that space did you see anything that was like 
new or because we we got the download on IAPA before and I'm, I'm just curious like in 2023 what are we what are we seeing on that on a that lot of before? maturing of the industry a lot of people want to create products and experiences we we for example we spoke about Eggscape um at GDC they were actually there yeah. they were showcasing their efforts to expand into the arcade industry being able to say to see actually a Quest Pro at an amusement and attractions event. I didn't mention this prior when we spoke about IAPA, yeah. that there was a very um, distancing from meta when it comes to approaching location-based entertainment. Um, it looks like those grips have softened. I actually was blessed by having a very high-level tech at meta stop by and, and, and look at our solutions. And, and that was actually where the conversations have really been in, at, at this event is... People really want to get, get into VR. They they want to embrace the these amazing technologies. The problem is there's no no one really going out of their way right now to teach people the proper ways of how to get these technology off the ground, how to properly price for it, how to bring the quality assurance that we see in home consumer VR into arcades. It, it's it, it's unfortunate because once you if you know a little bit about the VR industry, I always recommend people to go to these events. Um, because you will immediately realize that businessmen are businessmen. They're not technicians. They don't really care about the tech. So once they figure out a way to, let's say, get a headset to stream, which is a computer with a router, they're going to run with it. And they're going to focus more yeah. on how do I sell <laughs> this experience instead of... Then, then, then optimizing exactly. the actual foundation solution, yes. right? And that's yeah. kind of where, that's where we're at. And, and like the point you mentioned as well, there's there's quite a bit of they, they could actually if they knew to do that, if they knew to look under the hood, they could succeed in selling more because, you know, you, you can on a smaller price point, you can actually have a larger margin. Yes. So and, and then do more volume. So it, it actually makes sense in the end uh, to, to put your business that way. I have a question yes. for you, though, because um, we didn't we didn't talk on this mm -hmm. much, but I know you were, as I think, equally as impressed as I was with Eggscape. Yes. Um, I. Adam, last time we had a fun little jaunt on the podcast, <laughs> and she gave me a bit of a stab in the side. She's like, "You didn't tell me that <laughs> <laughs> like that was uh, that was on the show yeah. floor. That would have been a fun <laughs> thing to play." Um, yeah, how did you find Eggscape when you when you played it? Did you I, I had I, I loved it. Um, so one of the things that um, that was that took me by surprise getting to play Eggscape again at Amusement Expo was that they were showcasing the Quest Pros. Um, that yeah. really, that was for me, like, honestly, it shattered my reality and, and, my, and created new optimism for, for the future of LBE in general, because they were actually there showcasing something that they, were, they didn't have much at GDC, which was um, dedicated outside of the game spatial anchors, right? So anybody who tried the experience at GDC, yes. um, you, I think you mentioned this, but there was a desynchronization of what you were seeing with the graphics. I experienced that at GDC where I felt like the map was rendering outside of where it was supposed to be, making like a weird blurred 3D effect. Um, and that was because- There was mm -hmm. some, yeah, there was some visual, there was some visual aberration, mm -hmm. but I, I wouldn't call it like that. Like if you're talking about the anchoring yes. system, so again, just to paint people who didn't catch up with the last podcast, mm -hmm. there was a diorama, a physical diorama where they had their, the name of the game, uh, multi-tiered, Kind of, you can think of boxes like set into the corner of a, of a room space, and the game would stick to those anchors to then lay out virtual characters over that scene. 
Um, for me, that didn't drift or anything. Okay. Is that what you're yeah, describing? Is it kind of like a drift? I was drifting a lot in okay, my experience. Um, at, at the GDC, I didn't really care for it because I was having fun. Um, but it was it was definitely visually there, I, and that I didn't notice at uh, at Amusement Expo. Um, okay. There was better lighting conditions. Um, I did speak to them about that and about quality assuring around it, um, which they were very excited about, and I'll have more to talk about that in the future. But there was just okay. a lot of excitement. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think mixed reality makes a lot of sense for arcades, and just that's that's the yeah. that's the sad exciting approach that i go to these events is man people really want to get into vr they want to get into vr arcades want to get into vr if you have a way to go into these arcades and see the current technology there's a lot of opportunity right now it's yeah yeah. i i was i was certainly enamored with the the uh locally networked quest pros uh (laughs) in that demo like i I, I wasn't expecting it, and it was like, oh right, we're we're now in a booth with like three or four Quest Pros, and they're all we're playing a game together, and it's in like augmented reality, and it's high definition, and it's anchored, and they've got a beautiful yeah. construct, and that to me was just starting to flip switches in my brain of like, what's what else is possible? Um, so that Meta was really, was there. really cool. I all think right. that's one thing I can highlight is Meta was at Amusement Expo. Um, which was definitely. Oh, did they have a booth no, then? They had, like but a, there was presence okay. there, which was very exciting to me. Um, it's not something I've seen in this industry. Um, the conversations that I had with the technical uh, mm. I, man, I want to talk about that. I wish I could say the name, but I don't think I got permission for that. But the person I was talking to was <laughs> actually behind the scenes at that viral Mark Zuckerberg MMA video. That's how high up this guy oh. is in the technical side of it all. Um, That's but, cool. The conversations that I was having with this gentleman was about the future of co-spatial technologies with the Quest Pro. Um, they had right. <laughs> they highlighted immediately that they heard my complaints publicly and on the podcast here. So if they're listening, <laughs> I'm correcting myself. Um, there is um, a real awareness from them when it comes to wireless 6E and con- connectivity for how they perform. Uh, there is reason for why they haven't made this public uh, or released 6E. And it's mostly related to Mm. what you just described, co-location. They're really optimizing the ability for Quest Pros to live around each other. Um, With that, there are also things that I got really right that they're not ready to talk about yet, which is if you create (laughs) a a field or or an environment with specific devices to perform really well around each other, which is wireless, that will mean that nothing else will work around that environment well. So they are... I told you, Kona Silence. silence. I, I said that yes. on the other... The Kona Silence, it's, I, I it's knew a te- it. I it's a technology-forced way of doing that. So I am now sad that we were going to see... This is the beginning of maybe XR Labs, right? We're going to see a bunch of Quest Pros in a really cool school setting, environment settings, university setting, and they're going to perform amazingly well. They're going to have co-spatial technologies, the, re- the sad reality is only Quest Pros yeah. will be in that environment. You're not, I don't really see this performing well with other headsets. I don't see them opening up this technology to for that integration. Right. Well, hey, if you've got, um, you know, if you've, if you've figured out a way to engineer and make something work and it becomes a unique selling point for you, then fair yeah. enough. Defend it. But that was exactly the idea of the yacht and saying, hey, I can have internet in my... 
people around me can't. I mean, this, this whole idea of that uh, that cone of silence is, is, is interesting. It, it, it's heartening, however, to hear that that might be a future for us where location-based experiences or collaborative work with Quest Pros could work. Yeah. It just means that the technology came out, headset was there, but the software stack wasn't quite ready yeah. yet. And so it needs some time to mature. And at the new lower price, that's actually good news yeah. for me because I didn't want to hop on it when it first came out. If it if it if it keeps coming down in price and the software keeps improving, that's normal for bucks. technology, right? For what I yeah, fifty bucks is not so bad. For what I for, and this is one hundred percent just me assuming and, and, and guesstimating mm -hmm. based on what they were saying, but I think the the Quest Pro will drop even more in price based on the further away the window of really? support for. Wow. This, these disruptive technologies like co-location happen. Um, there, the, huh. the software wasn't there at all. The wireless, I, for what I understand is all the engineering work went into the controllers um, when it comes to the wireless capabilities because the controller must had to be shipped with it. So they focused all resources on the controller side and that's now they're kind of focusing huh. on the actual Quest Pro. There's a lot of wireless tools. There's a lot of capabilities that... I am not allowed to talk about, but they're there. <laughs> there there's a lot of stuff. Uh, I, it's, it's so weird because I, I was expressing that to them. I was like, why would you even have this conversation with me? Because now I went from loving the <laughs> Quest Pro to hating it to now looking forward to that version of the Quest Pro that I initially wanted and loved. And now I'm realizing that it might come sooner, hopefully not so later, but it also might deliver more. I'm in a weird mental place right now when it comes to the Quest Pro because I don't know what to believe or what to think. But the person that was talking love, to me had, like no, had no intention to lie to me, um, especially based on the what we're talking about. So we'll see, honestly. Yeah. We did uh, get a question in about, you know, the stuff that you're doing from Sampler 19, sort of a summary of mm -hmm. what you're working on. But um, they asked, so basically... Uh, the tech you described earlier is going to stream over the internet to LBE locations? So the, what, what we're building is a powerful arcade in a box, right? So think of what you do at home, wirelessly streaming from a computer to a router, but a, a, a much mm -hmm. larger, cohesive, quality-assured level. Um, each computer does not stream through the network. They stream off the computer using firmware special wireless cards that stream directly to the headset. So each computer also hosts as a streaming device to the headset, allowing you to only use the router to do what a router does best, networking, which is creating and handling the spatial anchoring, the mixed reality anchoring, the ability to uh, position the... Uh, account for the players in the space, giving you a zero latency, uh, a sandbox VR type of experience for $40,000. A, a sandbox VR, from a technical perspective, starts at about $180,000. Uh, I think zero... Yeah, that's, that's cheap. <laughs> yeah, zero latency or the void that's very famous um, back in the day. Those were about three hundred and fifteen thousand dollar investments to get six players. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. I'm not surprised. I'm absolutely not surprised given the amount of hardware and headsets and yeah. tracking devices and and just the logistics that's of the, the setup. That's where the heartbreaking um, comes in because when you actually do that, Zim, yep. it's actually not that much. 
It's only yeah, it, well, it's I mean, actually you broke 15, it down there very 15, well. $20,000. The rest is software. What killed the void and was runs. nothing with the technology. It was the the literal Star Wars IP. It was the licensing. I, I'm also thinking I'm I'm thinking Rowdy that we should uh, start selling F Reality branded Arabian rugs. I, I think it's a market for us. I, I think we I, I think we do very well. Five thousand dollars. Oh man, I'll do it for four. We can. Oh man, we'll just buy it under it. It'll be awesome. What a deal. No, sounds good. I got it's, one it's here. Gr- that's We're great as well a, when you got a body to get rid of, you know? And I'll say this, oh, I'm really, so you know, I'm, I'm mostly a tech. I, I'm the quote-unquote CEO, right? So I don't really talk about the potentials of value in business and all that. But we will have, uh, what, what I can talk about the fan system is I'm working with Impact Reality, which is uh, oh. Skiva, uh, Industry, uh, 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 Heart of Gold, Eric Masher, VR Jasmine. Um, they started a, a an amazing company focusing on media and relationships for the VR. So we have um, last weekend. I actually rented out a, a a production studio, and and these guys showed up with fog machines, and we had Team Infinite here. And there is a crazy production video that's going to come out that's going to showcase all the value. And when all that stuff comes out, I'll, please you know keep an eye out. I'll share it with you guys, and that will probably explain everything good. much better than I than I can. And um, man, there's somebody I'm working with that I. I, I want to mention so badly, but I can't yet because there is <laughs> there right. is very high level legal stuff happening to make sure that I can talk about this openly. But I'm working with uh, an absolute rock star in VR. It, I call it. It's like I I think of it as like imagine like being like I don't know like Microsoft and bringing in like. Um, I can't believe I uh, forgot his name. I can't believe that, but not not. Bill Gates. Uh, no, that 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 was crazy when it happened. But um, uh, what's Wozniak? Like Wozniak's the the the. Uh-huh. Imagine Wozniak. imagine Microsoft bringing Wozniak on board. That would have gutted Apple in a way that we have never seen. And mm, I have a similar yeah. announcement like that coming for my company. It's crazy. It, it, I. I I'm really excited, and I'll talk more about it in the hopefully next podcast. Oh, okay. Hey. Well, um, that does sound oh, yeah. exciting, and uh, we look forward to hearing it. And uh, if, if Jose it's hasn't me, frustrated no. you enough, <laughs> then I'm going to frustrate you even more, because we're going to talk about Apple's uh, upcoming mixed reality headset. Thank you, Jose, for the cross-section on what went down in Vegas. Um what, what goes down in Vegas usually stays in Vegas, except for when Jose is around, then, then he can tell us. <laughs> I, 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 I don't sign the NDAs. Um, exactly (laughs) all right um well there's been a lot of buzz this week uh and here's a quick catch-up first off i'm gonna be talking about apple's vr and ar headset not the apple glasses concept which we've heard about which is ar only and is potentially been kicked down the road to another year so probably not coming in 2023 for the slim form factor ar glasses that will hopefully blow our socks off at some point in the future no this is the vr ar headset much closer akin to like the quest pro um but apple's revision of that so enough foreplay here. Let's show him the uh, Marcus Kane renders. He's the same guy we saw render the Quest Pro, and he's done excellent work in the past. I like this even better. Mm. Um, so this is no different. His mock-ups look sleek, stylish, and frankly realistic, like something you can actually see Apple producing. Um, the facial interface itself looks like um, perfor- the perforated cushion on the 
Apple AirPod Max headphones. If you remember what that looked like, this kind of like a soft, spongy looking material, their flagship headphone. And the headset, it's just super slim, sleek, and vented for heat dissipation. So again, these are things that when it comes to manufacturing real hardware are important, especially if you're trying to make it look svelte and, you know, be purchased by your uh, usual Apple uh, fans, I'll call them. Uh, the, the images also sport a battery accessory, uh, which could be slung like a carrier backpack with a magnetically attached battery pack. So much like the Apple Watch Puck, that it would attach to the, the headband um, and actually deliver power to the headset. So even if the headset was only two or three hours battery life, this would give you an extra uh, punch beyond that. Um, I do like to think that Tim Cook's, you know, Apple CEO, is sitting in a board boardroom somewhere uh, scrolling over Marcus's Twitter account going, you little fecker, you know, and looking at these images because they were pretty damn spot on with the Quest Pro did and you, those leaks. And that was a problem. Did you send me those images? Because I don't see I, them in the in the links. Uh, hold on. Okay, I'll just make double double sure. I thought I did. I do uh, like one these renders because I don't know how we got the blue design before that mm -hmm. everyone's probably seen a million times. But white, I mean, that's that's Apple's trademark. So to me, these I feel like these are going to be much closer to what it's actually going to look like. Um, so I'm uh, super excited. Yeah, Rowdy, it's uh, sorry, I have them in a funny order. It's the third one. It's under Apple. It's uh, it's a link to Marcus King. I actually, oh, okay, I actually, yeah, when I, I saw the white Adam, yeah, I did it. Enough, I went out of order. I, sorry, I felt the complete opposite for for that reason because I feel like I, I was thinking to say this like because Apple, it, that's their iconic color. They, but I feel like maybe like a white band. If you're, so that's what kind of where I'm at because like. The white band almost makes sense, but the blue one made more sense because, you know, stains and, and, and sweat. But this headset is not designed yeah. for that at all. It looks like it's more comfort based. So then I'm like, OK, maybe maybe it is the white strap. Is it like and, a nylon-y, mm -hmm. like what, it's hard to tell, like a seatbelt material strap? Yeah. At least it looks like in the renders, which mm -hmm. I'm kind of like, I don't know, is that really that comfortable? Because those get, at least for the Quest, um, you know, I have a lot of hair and it was slippery as yeah. heck. And I was like, so I had to yeah. replace that thing ASAP. Otherwise it just well, falls off my face. But it's light, a lighter, it's not, you know, Quest is heavy versus the Apple headset, which is going to be more. Um, exactly. So th there's some plays here. I would also say that if you think about the Apple Watch and the different bands that were available, I can imagine similar to your Quest 2 and with an easier swapping experience that the Apple MR AR headset will actually have. Um, We'll actually have interchangeable bands. What they what you can see in the renders is like a rigidity almost down what I'll call the stereo audio part on the headband. So almost like you were wearing sunglasses and beyond that part, it's cloth. So the, the purpose of that with this render is the idea that you have a soft back. So you could again, you could put your head against a seat in an airplane or something like that. Uh, you can also fold these up just like a pair of sunglasses and the cloth part just kind of tucks nicely between them, between the kind of more rigid <coughs> sides. So the design looks great. Um, this idea of, you know, the sling or the, the extra accessory for the battery pack. Don't know if I'm sold mm. on that yet from kind of thinking of Apple's design eye, but it's probably the closest that you can get before imagining what maybe what Apple actually has in mind. Yeah, that was what I think battery these matters. Are, these are concepts, like concept design by someone who, who yeah. likes it's, Apple, I guess, or something. Yeah. Uh, but this is not this is not how the yeah. device would actually look like. Yeah. Not official, we have no idea about official. that. There there is there is no official release. <laughs> this is not an exclusive. <laughs> I was already Apple thinking like, uh, just for F reality. I, I, I pulled out a, a Zimples off the headset. 
<laughs> no. So so and this is where we were trying to go with the uh, the first link in my list, Rowdy, which is Apple's WWDC event. So right. this is the Worldwide Developers Conference, June fifth. It's touted that we might see this first on June fifth, just two months away. Um, there are rumors that the go-ahead on the product was pushed by senior execs like Tim Cook, uh, but wasn't yet backed by the design team in terms of confidence that it's ready to ship, uh, which is a kind of a realistic thing. Now, we've been waiting many years now for an Apple product to launch in the VR AR market. Their AR headset, again, has been touted as being pushed out to another year. Um, but I think it's kind of time for them to get into the game, particularly with Meta jumping into a similar space that, honestly, I think Apple's been designing towards for many years. So in terms of form and functionality, this headset is expected to be part of the closed you know, Apple ecosystem. Work a bit like a Meta Quest Pro inside out tracked and not a device that you'd wear all day long. Uh, Tim Cook has, has spoken in the past about his, you know, Apple's ultimate goal, which is really AR. Um, and their AR kit has been circling now for six years, which was first unveiled at WWDC in 2017. That's a very similar timeline between the PSVR 1 and PSVR 2. There was a six-year gap there as well. So I'll just give you a little quote uh, from a recent GQ uh, UK interview uh, that... Um, that they had with Tim, which I thought was a really good read, very in-depth. Uh, if you're an Apple person or a shareholder like me, very interesting to read and hear from the company. Um, this is the kind of AR piece that I'll just kind of pull out. So if you think about the technology itself with augmented reality, just to take one side of the AR VR piece, the idea that you could overlay the physical world with things from the digital world could greatly enhance people's communication, people's connection. Uh, it could empower people to achieve things they couldn't achieve before. Uh, and if it could accelerate creativity, if it could just help you do things that you do all day long and you didn't really think about doing them in a different way. So for me, one of the things that I saw very, very recently was someone was mocking up an AR app. It was cooking and it showed you, you know, it was a cookie sheet where you'd place the various cookies, how much you'd need of the various uh, kind of components. So if you were wearing that, that's again painting where Apple's kind of going, right? And we've talked before about like the whole Apple Maps and things like that. I want to tell you a little bit more about this VR AR headset, though, before we kind of um, kind of throw it out, in, out into the team there. So tech-wise, this thing is meant to boast 4,000 by 4,000 pixels per eye. So 4K per eye. Whereas the PSVR 2 which has a 4K resolution, in air quotes, is 2000 by 2040 per eye. So again, when you're thinking about that, that's a quarter of the resolution, not half. Um, Vive Pro 2 has about 2500 by 2500 per eye. That's one of the higher density resolutions out there. Um, if they include LiDAR scanning into this as well to quickly measure space accurately, uh, this headset could remain compact, accurately tethered. Um, focus areas for the headset are expected to be a couple of things. Entertainment, such as watching TV or movies. Social, such as social interactions or business meetings. And gaming, but not the hardcore stuff you and I are used to. Apple's not really known for that. So I want to give a few predictions as to what we think the VR and AR headset is going to make, and then I'll open the team for theirs. So first off, I think entertainment is probably the main use case here. Kind of similar to the way the big screen is going with their big screen beyond in pivoting towards entertainment. One of the main use cases here is to bring the fleet of capabilities from like Apple TV and their entertainment closet 
uh, to a cinema experience to individuals. You could sell their Apple One, uh, which is kind of an all-in-one, you know, TV and entertainment package to people. <laughs> well, that's the entertainment side, but um, what do you guys think about that? Like, would you would you wear a headset to watch a movie? Or are you in a situation, Rowdy, you're kind of like me, right? And Adam, Adam, you too. You've got someone to watch a headset with uh, to your side. You're probably not going to buy two, three thousand dollar headsets or whatever it ends up costing. Right. So is it still a a, a, a useful um, purpose for a for a headset that's mixed reality for you to be entertained, you know, in your living room or when you're on a business trip, that I type of thing? At least for me, if I had more Apple products, I think what would interest me most is being able to, you know, transfer you know, go from my iPhone to my Mac to this headset. But I don't, I'm like Android Windows person. So this would be kind of a, just a solo thing for me. But I do think that, um, I I don't think that a lot of people are going to be getting their hands on this. I think it's going to be more like what the Quest Pro intended on just like, like sort of like a polished dev kit. I want to say like, here, here's a a thing. Developers go make some cool stuff. Because I read, again, these are all rumors. Nothing's true or confirmed yet but there, there might be limiting the amount that's sold per apple store so it's not going to be like you know lines of people going up to get an iphone unless you actually plan on making something mm. for the ecosystem so if i were an apple user i wouldn't i could see myself definitely wanting to get one once the more consumer version whatever that's going to be um is out but i just Thumbs don't up. have enough to I don't have enough of the ecosystem to really make it worth it just to buy it to watch movies. I mean, I've got other headsets for that that also do gaming, which is sort of more of my thing. So uh, I don't know. That's just my that's just my opinion. <laughs> for me, like, I mean, I'm also I'm totally not into the Apple ecosystem at all. Um, so I don't have a single Apple device, uh, I think. I mean, my wife has a has a MacBook and an iPhone, but I don't. Uh, but the the thing is, from an entertainment perspective, I don't think I would buy a device to watch movies like that. Mostly also because I'm familiar with Apple prices. Do you know how big a TV that you can buy if you have $3,000 to spend? You can buy a pretty big Huge. TV. Like, and then, like, the thing is, of course, Apple has and this... if you got 60000 Rowdy, you can go even bigger. <laughs> yeah, you can buy a cinema theater. But the, the thing is, uh, Apple has this or at least has this reputation of bringing out devices that are revolutionary, right? They, they changed the way that, that you think about technology. Like back when the iPhone came out, there's this very famous talk from like one, I think the Nokia president or like the chief of whatever, where he says like a, a $500 phone. Uh, we'll talk in a year from now when everybody's having Nokias for because they brought out like a, I don't know, like a $50 uh, smartphone or whatever they called it like that. And of course we all know what happened is that <laughs> Nokia pretty much went bust <laughs> and uh, Apple iPhones are everywhere. So they have they have this kind of thing where they generate technology for a need that you don't know that you have yet, which I think is what yes. makes Apple so successful. Of course, they had a visionary lead there. I don't know if, I mean, Tim Cook has been doing really well, but I don't know if he has that same kind of visionary kind of pushing through in order to, to achieve that. But I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm very... <laughs> I'm very, uh, I would welcome a surprise like that. I'm not convinced yet that we're going to see it. Yeah. With Apple, it's always a little bit like believing. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, but for entertainment specifically, I don't think that I would, at this moment at least, unless they generate the need for it, I don't think I yeah. would need it. I'm looking yeah. more at a device for like, like they did with the iPhone, something that is productivity aimed, yep. 
something that uh, that I mm. need in order to achieve a higher level of productivity, increase my efficiency. Uh, that is more what I'm looking at uh, rather yeah. than pure entertainment. A really interesting selling point there um, and, and hinging off of something Adam said, I think would be a, a, an accessory that goes well with a MacBook, you know, something that would you've got the one screen, but you're, you're always traveling. Oh, but hey, now you can just rock up, drop your laptop, plug this thing in and you've got a whole host of displays, right? Like you've it, it just changes what you need to carry and how productive you can be in a coffee shop, for example. You've also got the privacy element that's there. Um Another aspect of this that's uh, quite interesting, and I will I will just quickly say hi to Marcus, who's in chat, who did the renders, because I think they're oh, your best yeah. renders yet. So thanks for coming along. Yeah. Um, Seriously. They really are. Even the positioning of the images, <laughs> and, like it feels very Apple to me. Um, but in, it, I, the other thing that I think is, uh, again, that I'll just set out there as a prediction is social. I do think, and this is something that Tim's spoken about before, is... And Rowdy, you're talking about kind of work and collaboration, right? But how also like families stay close from a distance and supporting that need that we almost saw highlighted during lockdown, mm -hmm. which is how do you at distance feel presence with one another? But I, I, I think I think that comes with adaptation of technology. Mm. You, you you don't generate mm. a disruptive technology immediately like that. I, th I think you need to have something else before, because, for example, on the iPhone, when the iPhone came out, I think mm. it took maybe another 10 years before my parents considered like getting an iPhone. Uh, you know, they're from a different generation. And of course, I understand that now people are more aware of these kind of technologies. But I, I still think that something like that needs to be baked in yes. before like, you know, you see yeah, like a I very big. Fully agree with that, Rowdy. It's it's. I feel what's and you said it yourself that they they got signed off, but the designers themselves are not confident in the release of it. I think what speculation yeah, what, but what yeah, Apple does yeah. really well is they don't solve problems that have been solved already. They introduce a new type of problem with yeah. with an immediate solution. We we keep mentioning <laughs> entertainment and we talk about <laughs> entertainment as if yeah. we all we keep thinking is VR movies or non VR movies. But exactly, I, yeah. I think. It's it's I mean, um, there's a lot of disruptional technologies right now that are being introduced in real time that the mass public is now learning about, which is um, AI based re-rendering or adjustments in frames. Oh, you're oh, you're going to the well future to, here. You're well, like we call it well future. What if it's that's what's really is going to get introduced with this headset? What if it's what around, if the, it's corner? around the corner? Like you're saying we got we got introduced. It is a, a cool idea. idea. We what's up? It's already being exactly. done. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. We, we already have spatial casting for like basketball. Oh. What happens if this headset gets God introduced damn. with, oh, we're pairing this with front rows, front court seats to every single NBA event. And now you can, you're seeing the games as if you were there. You can walk around. So Meta tried mm -hmm. that, right? Like, like Meta tried that. But I, I, what I'm hearing from you is, for example, if they did some kind of AI based interpolation into my headset and I could watch The Matrix, but I can look around. You That's know what I mean? Like, more I can, likely what they're looking oh. at. So, something along that line in real oh. time. I just I wouldn't think that the, the the grunt would be there in the processor, even if they are running like it's an M two or something. It's going to be the phone. That's where the device comes from. I'll I'll tell you this. the The reason this device, my 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 strongest speculation, what the industry behind the scenes truly believes, and you can talk to a lot of people, probably even Mark uh, Marcus about the the rendering, the conversations behind the scenes is. 
It's been confirmed, yeah. and you mentioned it before, Apple has had an AR kit for almost six years now. There is yeah. hardware that can do AR and mixed reality really well that's not Apple made. The XR3, sure. for example, one of the biggest subscribers and buyers of the XR3 is Apple. Um, I think that now that the hardware and the software has the, the software has matured enough that it doesn't make sense mm. for developers to be getting or receiving behind the scenes XR3s because that's going to start creating the opportunity for developers to port this over to other hardware easily. So in order to get a quick headset out of the way, that's why we're only seeing a half measure step um, that I, right now, a lot of industry people are like, this might hurt Apple, but Apple must- That's exactly where yeah, I'm Apple feeling. Apple must release yeah. this because Meta has every intention of dominating the XR ecosystem. This market, exactly. It, yeah, yep. and, and Varjo is like right there kind of focusing on the, on the corporate commercial side of the industry. They're starting to sell headsets now on GameStop. People are starting to really think about visual fidelity. The Deckard is around oh, yeah. the corner. Yeah. There is um, puck-based technology is now the conversation everywhere behind the scenes, which is little devices that can power up a headset. We don't know if right. this additional battery pack is really just a battery. We don't know if it's processing something behind the scenes or if it has a dedicated... It could totally do yeah. that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I do fear about the like magnetic nature of what we've seen mocked up, but I, as a person who's watched Apple closely for years and really believed a lot of the original jobs culture that was there and like where they've gone. I'm waiting for Apple to wow me yeah. once again. I really yeah. am. And I feel like what this, I feel like where Apple is like many companies coming into 2023, like, like what you said there, Jose, I feel like they're pushed into a corner where they need to get this out to Adam's point into dev hands so that, their current capabilities, that software stack can be worked on because right now, publicly rather, yeah, people are working on mm -hmm. the met. People are working on the meta headset, right, on software for that. They're they're working on PSVR two. Now that's not a competitor probably for Apple's product, but they're not working, at least out yeah. in the open, right? Maybe it's first party stuff, but they're, they're they need to let the dog out, so to speak. I, and I and so we disagree are, a little bit with with. Both you and and Jose on this, um, and and the reason I mean I I agree that I I think that would be a, a right strategy, but I don't agree that with how that's Apple way of doing things. It's not Apple's uh, way yeah. of doing. Well, it. I think they're pushed into a corner. I, I, I think they're stuck in a, a tough spot, and they're going to have to I, end I, up. I don't I don't agree with the that race. part. I don't agree that part no? because Apple typically joins the scene. I think fairly late. Yeah. They, they have oh, a reputation of doing that, joining a scene very late, but then coming up with something that nobody has done before. Yeah. And I think that's where their, where their strength is, that they, they, they don't jo jump on early adoption. They go immediately for mass adoption. And when they feel that the time is right for mass adoption, that is Correct. when they come out with a device that is aimed at a, at a general public. <laughs> that's what Apple's yeah. known for, right? Yeah. That is, but I'm... Asking the same question a lot of Apple fans will is, does Apple still have it? Like, will they yeah, wow I, us when this thing I, lands? I, or, or maybe... Because it's been... That's what I don't It's know. been too long. It's been too long in the closet. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't have the confidence. Yeah. I'm also not convinced that we're going to see a headset yet. I'm not convinced. I, I don't think... I think what's going to get introduced is will be 100% for developers. Um, it will be shopped as a headset, but it will be considered the same as the Apple Watch. Hmm. 
It will be. When have they had done that though? Apple Watch. When have they ever done? Apple Watch didn't come the out Apple that Watch, way. They came the out to Apple Watch was released to consumers with a bare bones library that developers didn't like. The battery wasn't there. Um, the reviews were abysmal oh, yeah, the, for it. The the, the version yeah. one was we're not see great. The same exact like, thing for for this device. I know for okay. a fact that the, the XR3 is being used by Apple developers behind the scenes. In fact, we have seen a lot of cool mixed reality. We have spoken a few of them that are actually Apple products. It's just there's no hardware yet to back that up with. I think right. that the they are actually forced into a corner of the industry before cell phone apps weren't a thing when Apple really kicked off the doors when it came to these ecosystems. Computers, they, they were the first always, and that's the reason why we always expect them to come last, but we're talking about disruptional technology that for the first time is moving way faster than I think Apple can do their traditional, we're gonna come in later on when everything's right. figured out because once again, mixed reality is well, being developed on. They have an AR kit that is kind of running without a house <laughs> right now. Yes, they need exactly. to give people a house. Now, Ra Rowdy, you were just flashing on screen something that I wanted yes. to talk about because the, the teasing images from WWDC have caused a few people to look at them and say, <laughs> yeah. hey, that looks like a Fresnel lens, right? Um, and... So there's another one, the one Rowdy's got up right now, which was on their special event for people who wanted to attend in person, that shows a stack of rings. Um, and I've got to ask, you know, is that Apple's campus building as it's as it's That's clearly what I supposed saw. to allude? Yeah. Or is it or or is that a cute pancake lens stack that is in there that's like, oh, guess what, guys? We've evolved. This is our lens stack, and we were tricking you that it's not just Apple Campus. Um, nah, I, I think it's Apple Campus. E either way, I'm drizzling maple syrup on either of them. But um, see, that, that was they a both very look really cool, Canadian and they are statement. teasers. I'm gonna dribble maple syrup all over it. So you, you've earned that. <laughs> Dude, I've done that. I did that once where my Rift got maple syrup all over it because my, my wife brought like maple syrup and I shook the bottle and it, it the cap wasn't tight. And, like, oh, man, that was a fun cleanup. Anything food related. Like, how does that even happen? That's amazing. Yeah, that's, that's just the way we go. You can order food for Zim while he's streaming. That's how it happens. <laughs> that's how it happens. All right. Exactly. Um, so the other thing I was going to say, and this is a weird chart. It's the uh, marriage chart I was going to put up, um, Rowdy. Which is I thought that was a I was mistake thinking, that you sent me, but okay. No, <laughs> yeah, you're like shit. He's, yeah, he's having some trouble here. Um, no, it's 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 a chart that shows a very heavily declining um, ratio of people who are getting married, um, and I, it just shows I the kind of hint, like, like seriously, it's like you know, come to the rollout, complete drop off. So when when I was when I was looking at when I was looking at like okay, the use case of entertainment for an individual as opposed to entertainment for a couple or a family or a bunch of people in a house, right? Like what would that target market look like? And this is just kind of a little bit of support. Again, we talked about stats earlier, right? You can throw stats for anything. And this is really just saying that people aren't getting hitched as much. That doesn't necessarily mean pe people aren't cohabiting or whatever, but are there more single people out there to buy a product that's geared at an individual, right? An individual in a house who needs to be entertained kind of thing. And I think there are, but um, that was just to kind of back up the idea about the entertainment side. Social, we've talked about. One that I wanted to talk about to to Adam's point about the old grungy headset that maybe didn't look like the right place. Uh, and like what we saw with um, 
the earlier render that Jose pointed out, the previous one, which was more like plasticky, right? That kind of uh, rubber look is fitness. I do think Apple will go after the replace your gym approach. In other words, uh, try to get people to cancel their gym membership, like add that to the value proposition for this kind of headset. Lightweight, you can just put it on no matter where you are, you've got your gym with you because those things sell subscriptions. There's quite a bit of money in that. And I think it's a really easy sell. It's already been proven. It's a proven use case. Um, is that enough for Apple though? You know, do you guys, do you guys foresee, does Apple today do any, I know we're all non-Apple people. So this is like, I used to have, a, there's an iPad in front of me, but um, d d have any of you seen Apple really push hard into fitness in the past? Their, their health plus, I'm not talking their, their apps, their, their apps, their app ecosystem is 100% designed. Their Apple watch is 100% designed yeah. for fitness. Their new the yeah. watch. I yes. think I, I really think that the the fitness yeah. component of Apple is going to be the watch. I I don't see whatever headset releases it. The Apple Watch is going to be a really big factor into it. Um, I think that mm. the goal is, as you were mentioning, I think that's the reason why the designers are not comfortable with this yet. This headset will be able to deliver the experiences that we want Apple to deliver, but they have to start somewhere. We're right. gonna probably, it's probably right. gonna be tethered to that cable at all times. You will be doing some meditative apps. They're gonna have some exercise apps, but their goal- I, yeah. no way, no way, tethered. You it's think there's tethered. gonna be a, a, a te like tethered am, to your phone in your pocket or I something? I almost, I will bet that it's tethered. I think that the battery, that the, the headset, you bet a hamburger? I, I'm betting a hamburger on it. <laughs> it's going to be a lot to the XR Elite right. where it carries some charge. I'll go the other the side. The XR Elite carries some charge only for hot swapping the battery. Um, I think yeah. that we're probably going to see no. something similar to the Apple device. The processing, the batteries are not there yet. In fact, if you look at battery sizes for all, of all of their iPhones, they have gotten smaller. Yeah. They haven't gotten larger. Sure. Um, they're, they're all about optimizing what you can do. There's a reason for that, right? That's that, that that's optimizing to the user experience mm -hmm. and how they're actually used because the amount of metrics after they got beaten up in the early thousands on the whole battery life lies and de deceit and treachery, um, they have had such great statistics that you can run on your iPhone in terms of its oh. it, its battery life. And you know that they're gathering probably more than that, but like that over time tells you where you need yeah. to be for your device to optimize because you want every gram you can get out of that phone or that watch or that headset you're going to take out because you want to optimize that point and that's why i think that they're going to end up with a headset that lasts two to three hours and like marcus's um his his imagination has brought us to i really think that's going to be external i i would very much doubt that there would be a permanent tether i, hope, I do I however <laughs> think i do however think that it would be very cool to have, like those AR glasses we were talking about a little bit earlier, an optional tether should you want to connect it to your to your uh, yeah. your laptop. But knowing Apple, and again, hinging back, we've got so many crossovers in this podcast today, going back to your wireless networking point, if they can get the confidence between the laptop and the headset or your phone and the headset to do whatever you want, do a paper, have a virtual keyboard in a in a shop, check your family photos, any of that stuff, they'd probably do it yeah. wireless because that's what people want. People don't want to carry another cable <laughs> I, around. I really, they don't want extra I really don't think it's going to be wireless. I want it. I feel like it's going to be wire. I mean, it's going to be tethered to an iPhone, an iPad. 
Um, there's a the the iPad like Apple didn't fight the USB C stuff in the UK, which they fought out for for a while. They dropped that. There's there's connections. There's bandwidth limitations. They're moving all of their hardware away from Intel. There's just so much processing and investments in hardware design. And the, also the realities, if, if Apple, if, if, we, if some company was able to say, make a very lightweight wireless headset, it would have existed. There's yeah. a reason even all the way down to the big screen, which is the, the, the most technical achievement you can do right now in supply chain for VR headsets, even that is wired. Yeah. It, it's, you're not gonna be able to fit a battery at, at, a, at, at that kind of small form factor. Also, Apple is not, not going to entertain. Well, maybe, right? Think about it, though, but as a, as a business. <laughs> maybe that's where the disruptive thing comes in, right? Because that, that's the battery thing. Again. I think Apple that, that's battery think Apple's going yeah. to be comfortable having a conversation of putting batteries in people's faces. Because remember, it's it's yarn on the back. Yeah. So even the ones I'm, having I'm not saying I'm not saying yarn. A yarn-based headset. Wow, okay. I'm not, I'm not going to yarn. Yeah. But, what, what I'm saying right. is, like... Like you said before, like Apple comes up with solutions often to problems that we don't know that we have. Yeah. And yes. maybe they're going to put something like that forward that drives forward a solution for that. I'll be amazing. I, I mean, I still don't feel comfortable with batteries in my hand near my eyes. <laughs> if they came out, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. But um, if they came out with, uh, I think it's unavoidable in the technology right now. I just don't think they can get away from that. And I, th I expect it to be an all-in-one headset. But I, I think what you're envisaging is something that the battery is not part of what you're wearing on your head. And it's instead somewhere in else fact, that's safe. I would say um, that, that puck, and that's going to be the magic. It's the battery is going to do more than just being a battery. I think it might have that little puck device might have a, a powerful streaming assistant for wireless. Um, maybe something but oh again smart to be yeah. away from your head it's just the technology the, the health ratings the hazards to put a battery near your eyes it's just too risky right now um phones can't even be trusted with going over a certain wattage for charging apple just wouldn't take those risks yeah, but they need to release <laughs> a headset so they might yeah they might okay so one last little prediction because i know we've been going on um the gaming side, okay? So I, I, I recently was playing uh, a game which I've talked about before, Smash Tanks, which is basically a 3v3 kind of AR um, little battler that you run. And it's it's frankly awkward on a tablet or a phone. It just is. And you really want that to be something that you view through headset. However, that's not the, the awesome use case. I think Apple and Niantic should partner up if they don't already have this deal sorted. All they need is Pokemon, really. All they need is Pokemon. That would be enough for them just to say, gaming, tick. Like, if they put a, a new Pokemon Go equivalent game in AR, completely AR, only playable with this headset, for example, I think it would do something really interesting. I think it would put shoes on the street so people would be out and walking around and doing these devices like they did, like with the explosion we saw that summer with Pokemon Go, where people were out in droves and you're like, what, the what are all these nerds doing? Um... And do you remember the original iPod earbuds appearing on like trains and buses and class and stuff? Same deal, right? It would sell itself because you start to see the them. in crowd having it and you're like, ah, and you get this like mirror neuron thing that says, I want it, I need it. And you start to convince yourself that you need to be part of the in crowd. So I, I think that's a trick that they 
could definitely play and should play. I mean, as far as gaming goes, I can definitely see that because I can't imagine you're going to see maybe even something like Supernatural, you know, on the, I think it's the game side of it is going to be more like mobile maybe. and not, True. not quest mobile even, but just like phone mobile, but in a Bejeweled. I feel like that's, that, that, that would does be, sound cool. I feel like their gaming side might be more on the AR than the VR, mm. honestly. So, you, you know, mentioning Pokemon mm. Go, I'm like, I could totally see them doing something like that. Like stuff that somehow enhancing uh, cell phone games to look better with the yes. headset. I That's think so. why. Because like, people yeah. are still really addicted to their, you know, the games on the phone. But I, Tethered is again, the, I don't yeah. think it's, it's got It's got to be That's this. Why. It's got to be Pokemon. Mm-hmm. It's got to be Yu-Gi-Oh. Mm. It's got to be <laughs> Angry Birds since they took it off. And of course, Age of Empires. You know, do those four. And I'm in. I'm, I'm, that sounds amazing. I, that's no, why no, I, I I keep pushing hard on the idea of tethered because I see mobile games becoming the most valuable mobile platform. You connect that to to like an iPad, and the iPad has a a uh, QR code now that the headset knows and can see that QR code, and now the game gets layered on top of it, and it's going to create very pre- precise augmented reality. Um, it just from a development and, and implementation standpoint, everything that I imagine Apple doing just seems almost in like the what we expect from Apple. I don't think I can't see them deliver this on a wireless at all. I yeah, and I, the thing for me about Apple is the last thing I'll say is just it's been so long. Uh, like with my favorite band Tool, which Rowdy will know, um, it's been so long. It's hard to keep the faith. And I hope they they dazzle us when, when whatever they drop next, if it's VR AR, I hope they come out the gates absolutely guns blazing. I don't want to see a half-assed Apple product. I want to see an Apple product. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the thing is always if you set your expectations low, then you never disappoint. That's true. See? That's, that's what I'm saying. I'll, everything's awful. Surprise me. What a wireless. <laughs> that, that, I guess that's wow. my question. And maybe that's why I never understood those questions about Apple conversations. What a wired Apple, like powerful wired Apple headset be considered a half step? It's got to be cool. Is a wired headset cool? I think, I I think, think we the can PSVR keep on speculating cool. about it, but like... Yeah, we've done this for so much. We've actually held <laughs> on. I know, I know it's how many podcasts that we've had... How many? On <laughs> how many podcasts? ...releasing their next MR or VR headset. Dude. I think this is number four or something. I'm going to look so dumb. <laughs> yeah, a heavyweight one. Yeah, I think you're right. And the thing is, like, are we expecting it this year? Um, rumors certainly seem that way, but I'll say they feckin' seemed it before as well. So... <laughs> The fact that it didn't come out in 2020 is still Cook, shocking to me Tim to this Cook day. Is, like, we didn't get it back Tim then. Show up with the AT like, 2020, I think, Tim is Cook what it is was. He's going to show up with, like, the iconic Steve Jobs glasses, and he's going to be like, these are the VR headsets y'all wanted. It's like, oh, no, no, he should just release, like, a picture with, like, you know, like, the the, <laughs> the lines of, like... <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, anyway, that's what you need. I don't know. They're going to have to work bloody hard to get me back into the Apple ecosystem. I'll tell you that because I had to work myself out of that. And once you're out, um, it's not it's not easy to go backwards because it is a very closed wall garden. Uh, If they came out with an open device, that's God, that would my 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 job would drop. I'll bet you a burger on that. Yeah, that's that's definitely. (laughs) Yeah, I thought you would. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Well, that's. Now that all that's out of our system, we can, you know, slumber for another six months, hopefully, on no more Apple podcasts. Um, We can come back from Apple reality 
to real reality. Well, virtual real reality. F reality. Um, yeah, so let's uh, let's go ahead and check in with Jose on All on right. releases. Then I think that's a it's a good time for that. Okay, so I I, I highlighted three games um, that uh, everybody in the, there's so many releases that I wanted to kind of focus on on I'm trying to select games that stand out to me personally that I that I that I would like to talk about. First one up that I have on the list is Kill It With Fire VR which is the ultimate ambition of killing it with fire. It is a pest control, insect control uh, game uh, or a simulator. It it, it scratches the same itch as like Power Wash Simulator does for me, which is seeing something that should not belong and making the place feel zen-like, which is what I feel when I see cockroaches or bugs. I want to burn it all down because (laughs) they shouldn't exist in my environment. So that's a PC VR Quest 2 and PSVR 2 game. Um, releases on April 13th, uh, $14.99 US, about 12 pounds. Um, yeah, just just looks a freaking ragdoll really physics-based game. Yeah, it's such a shame. That's not that that that's Thursday the 13th instead of Friday oh, the 13th. That'd be amazing. That's a lot sad. Oh, it's like it would have worked out really become well. The, become have to the wait menace. a whole year though. <laughs> Um, and second <laughs> one I have is uh, Breachers VR. Um, I am a really big fan of uh, uh, Insurgents, um, the PC the PC game that this is definitely inspiring. Um, oh, Insurgency! Insurgency, which uh, was Rainbow Six Insurgency, or am I re- mis- naming? Oh no 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 no! Sorry, we're talking about different games. Insurgency is is a hardcore. That's the FPS. FPS. What's game, the? It's, it's not, not. It's not. I'm really. I'm forgetting the name of it. The the physics based destruction. It's not insurgency. Oh, um, unless you're talking way yes. back. Are we talking nineties here? Way back. Yeah. Red 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 uh red. Red, Red faction. faction. Yes. Okay. Sorry. I don't know where I got. Insurgency. Where, where you could take a rocket yes, launcher and, and drill your way through a, a map. Yeah. Wow. So okay. Creature okay. VR cool. gives me that that the feeling. I, I I'm hoping the the physics get more. It's a pretty much a <laughs> cops versus robbers in a physical base, physics based stadium, right? Um, it's fairly oh. well known. Has a huge following. It's releasing on the Quest Two and PC VR. I believe also an April thirteenth game. Um, that's yep. coming up for thirty dollars US, about twenty five pounds. Um, really excited for that one. And last one, which. I'm super excited about because I played the original non-VR version is Amid Evil. Uh, Amid Evil VR. Oh. Um, it is a roguelike shooter where it's all about get, getting weapons. It's a Metrovania or guns-based Vania style gameplay. Um, very, uh, it skills up based on your gameplay performance and on the weapons that you're using. It's uh, weapons collectible. They rebuilt the game from the ground up into VR, which got me the most excited about this because I loved the original um, the original game. I played it a lot. I played it actually a lot quite still on the deck. So being able to uh, to see this coming up for <laughs> VR on the Quest 2 and PC VR, April 20th, um, definitely check that out. 1999 US, that's about 17 pounds. Um, and that's it. That's all I have. Oh, the last Clockwinder. I know I've been talking about this. Rowdy spoke about it a lot. <laughs> It has honestly stealthily become one of my favorite games. It's already out. Just get it. Just look it up. Last Clockwinder. That's my my special honorable mention for for PC VR. That game's brilliant. Yes. That's it brilliant. Is. And you can 
I, I, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, you can play that on P- PSVR too. I think as that's well. it I is there. I'm the last one who hasn't played it yet. I think that's where I'm going to pick it up. Oh my days! I know. I it's not that I don't want to. It's just like there's a, there's so much stuff, man. Dude, it was yes, my game priorities, of the Adam. Year. You understand? Game That's a priority one. Okay. okay. Yeah. It's so, it, it, it was actually on sale. I should have told you. I should have. I should have told you guys oh, in the chat. But it. it was on sale last week. That's actually how I picked it up. It was like almost sixty percent off. Uh, on the Steam ah, store, yeah, wow. it, was, it was. I got very excited that about is, that. That's only gonna frustrate a few people. That's all right. <laughs> Sorry, that's all right. Guys. Every every time, every podcast, he tries to bring the pitchforks home, and uh, that's that's one of those that. There was uh, a sale. That to yourself. There was, yeah, there a, was sale. a sale. Sorry, you missed it. Oops. It was a great um, sale. It was a great sale. <laughs> all <laughs> saved of the so much money. <laughs> oh Lord, Lord, Lord. All right. Well, uh, take let, let's uh, let's let's uh, chat now. Is your chance. I'm going to recap the show times. If you have anything left left to say to the crew um, or reactions, you want to put a fork through uh, through Jose's eyeball or something, that's fine. Please do uh, Let's do, do it. that now. Right. Do that now. And then have a happy Easter after that. So here we go. This podcast is live every other Saturday on YouTube and Twitch. Um, the show starts 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern and 6 p.m. in the UK. We've got an audio version out on iTunes, SoundCloud and Spotify. Uh, if you are watching this back, then we encourage you to drop a comment. Let us know what you liked or didn't like. Uh, and finally, uh, let's see what chat's got so in their suggestions. I don't want to forget this because I promised them that I would bring up the question. We did get a super chat mm. earlier from Norman. I don't know how how oh, simple yes. of a uh, answer this might be necessarily. And it kind of goes back to uh, Rowdy's science talk last week with the AI. Uh-oh. But it's... Um, Basically, have, have either of you considered what AI development such as OpenAI will have on our interactive experiences within VR when taking advantage of LLMs? And they said thanks. But again, thank you, Norman. Um, I, don't, I don't know if that's a An LLM is like a lemon m M&M? m Is that what that is? <laughs> LLM is lemon. LLMs large <laughs> stands for large language models. Large language model. Uh, so <laughs> GPT is a, is a large language model. Uh, Google Palm is also a large la- language model. Llama is a large language model. So you have a lot of different of those. Why am I getting hungry? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, can I have? Has, has anyone here ever eaten llama? Because I'm now want llama steak. <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> no. Uh, but to, to answer the question, so I mean, OpenAI is a company, of course. So and uh, they have, I think, in January they received a ten billion dollar investment from Microsoft. So a billion or million. Billion, I believe. Billion. Ten Jesus. billion dollars investments. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so okay. it's, the, I, I think Microsoft is probably a majority shareholder there. Uh, I don't, I don't, I mean, Microsoft is one of those companies that is not too invested in VR. So I don't see that specific company go uh, into VR uh, directly or fast because Microsoft is very hopeful. I, I recently watched a talk from them on their Bing engine. So they're integrating uh, uh, GPT, ChatGPT, <laughs> basically in Bing, now allowing it to actually use it to do searches. Uh, so, for example, to make it more oh. accurate, it can now also search uh, the web, which I think is super interesting. Uh, but of course, like AI <laughs> yeah. is already being implemented. These large language models are being implemented in pretty much everywhere. The only problem often with with, with this kind of stuff is that it requires a lot of training, a lot of time. Uh, and they're typically not the fastest. You can see that with, with ChatGPT as well, that when you get replies, like it's not like instant replies. So you can't really use it in that context yet that you could, for example, start like generating dialogue all of a sudden. 
Um, although we're getting there, I think I think that's not that far away. Um, I think we'll see that probably soon. Uh, but I think a yeah. lot of stuff is being done as well on reinforcement uh, learning. Yeah. Just you see that with like AIs right now, they're getting more and more intelligent. You, you see games becoming more intelligent from the way that you play, and like uh, I, I think that's we're we're on the on the brisk of a of a really exciting kind of time for game development and the integration of AI. We're gonna games. see, oh, so cool. yeah, we're gonna see a I lot mean, more, yeah. a lot more push in v, in AI value in games for where in the games that traditionally pull the most data that's what we meant by reinforcement learning like games that normally let's say it's all based on the communities right like the games that actively push the developers from snooping and getting data off of them will not be able to optimize or leverage the power of ai because they don't have that data but games let's say for example like fighters or uh, free-to-play games that are tracking player data player statistics are, are fine-tuning all of that information they have essentially a crystal ball which is what a large language model is it's a lot of data that's being mm. shifted through and it's learning in real time so whoever has the most data is going to win in automizing their games so yeah. that's the Fortnite, the 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 street fighter type games that are nothing but data dumps those games are going to get crazy <laughs> it's like chess and, and, and- i gotta I- and the reason why and I brought up uh, reinforcement learning was uh, yeah. because GPT themselves use reinforcement learning uh, or ChatGPT used that uh, reinforcement learning with a human component in it. So human evaluation does rank ordering and then the human picks the, the best ranking. Oh, maybe, really? Maybe, I didn't know that. Yeah. So okay. may, may, I mean, for the initial training, that is. Huh? So for the initial... They still need us. Yeah, the, they kind of <laughs> still need us. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe I'll do one time an episode on reinforcement specifically, yes. reinforcement yes. learning, because I think that's yeah, we'll, we'll that very, it. super, it was a very interesting call. For that. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, I, I had one question since last time, my brain's been spinning on AI stuff since Rowdy lit me up. Um, question is why, why don't we, al- uh, don't say Skynet, uh, why don't we allow AI to freewheel? Like uh, the, there, you talked last time about safety and measures there to, to kind of halt it. But in terms of what has been immediately recognized as like dangers or hazards, is it more about the mitigation of, say, a minority? You know, you're not getting a loan anymore because we've automated our loan giving system. Or what is the harm that an AI that's freewheeling poses realistically in 2023 is my question to you, Rowdy, if you can put your brain on Uh, that. I mean, I think there's different arguments to that. I think one of the big things is misinformation. Uh. Like I said as well, like these kind of models can create information right. that looks so good and so real that it's almost indistinguishable from what is actually true facts. Uh, so I think that's a big thing. Also, yeah. there, there is the concept of like, you know, there is such a thing as bad data. You don't want your model to be trained on bad data. You can, you can say like, oh, the more data, the better. But it's better to have a smaller data set that is very, very well documented, very accurate, very good and input that in your model rather than having just like everything that is out there. Mm. I mean, maybe if you have everything Four that is out there and like all yeah. that good and, stuff. And, and oh another thing God. is indeed like you, you want a sort, a sort of, you have a sort of like social responsibility as well. You don't want your model to become a neo-Nazi saying that they need to rule the world oh, and man. do this and whatever. Like, and, and there is a lot of stuff like that on the internet. So you, you don't want to feed stuff in a model that doesn't 
reflect so the like social a values of a company. You want yeah, I was going to say, it's very much like having yeah. kids. And, so and that's what makes reinforcement child. learning so interesting, <laughs> because reinforcement learning is based on that concept of training by reward. Mm. Ah, good. I can sleep a little bit more soundly now. <laughs> I want an, uh, they I still want need an AI model now. that's trained on nothing but 4chan. I can build it for you. If you want. Oh, man. That sounds... I can build it. Be careful what you wish for. And we are going to see who gets paid burgers sometime in the next few months. We look forward to that because I'm bloody hungry. Oh, yeah. It's lunchtime here. Let's go get some food, lads. And uh, happy Easter weekend again. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.